It's episode 11. We're recording this on December 5th, and this is a very special episode. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, Rick, aka Ravenheart, was not able to make it on this week's episode. Uh, So a friend of ours is filling in. Uh, We've known him for as long as Rick and I have known each other. Um, we all go back a long time, so I think, uh, think he'll be a good fit here, hopefully. If not, you know, he'll never appear here again. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, let's introduce Sam, a.k.a. Geocode 7? 7, yeah. 7. You got it. All right. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Um, uh, Rick provided a statement. (laughs) As we often read statements here on the podcast, Rick provided his own statement, as to why he's not here. So let me read that for everyone now. Um, Rick says, Due to needing to attend to private family matters, I was unable to adequately prepare for this week's episode and unfortunately must excuse myself from it. I only wish to bring you all the best quality analysis on my part, so I'm very grateful that my good friend Sam is so prepared and willing on my behalf. I'm happy that he's getting a shot at hosting, and I can't wait to hear him speak. He's a great guy, and you all will love him. No pressure. No pressure. I mean, that's one of the most corporate like yeah. <laughs> statements I've ever read. I, I second Rick, that notion, yes. Rick, you should like get into, I don't know, corporate writing or something like that. Yeah. Like Whenever someone needs an apology statement, maybe you could be the one to draft that for them. Good job. Um, and, you know, Rick has provided some commentary sprinkled throughout our notes, so I'll be sure to let you guys know what he's thinking about certain topics, and maybe Sam and I can jump off from those. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, Sam, you want to you wanna just say, say anything? Um, say hi just, to Mom. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Mom, uh, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, I know, big fan of the show. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I've been... Obviously, been there since well day zero technically. Going back to the website, right, and the blog, and uh, going to PAX and yeah, all that. That's right. You were there on our infamous PAX trip where Rick and I almost like broke up. Yeah, the bit beacon <laughs> wouldn't obviously, obviously not be here if it wasn't for that. But uh, no, sorry for another day. But uh, yeah, I yeah, no, big fan of the show. I love what you guys are doing, and uh, just excited to be here. I mean, well, it's really cool that you guys have asked me. So I should mention, or maybe I shouldn't mention, where we're recording from. Um. Maybe what's the same for my offices here? Okay, we're in an undisclosed city hall yeah. somewhere <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> so yeah, we're in a new environment. The audio might be a little different. That's something you know. It's just gonna have to be that way this week. Yeah, a lot of apologies. I feel like it's gonna be needed for this week. No, <laughs> no, I'm sure it'll be fine. All right. Um, okay, so we'll start off with the usual segment. Um, this week it's just what has Taylor been playing? What has Taylor been buying? <laughs> Uh, Rick didn't provide anything, and uh, Sam is 
Mm, not buying a lot of video games. No, no, unfortunately. Again, big fan of everything, but I just can't commit like you guys can. So, and I, you know, hats off to you. Well, you know, definitely. Rick doesn't play many video games either. No? No, I'm just kidding. Rick, okay, Rick like, definitely plays video games. But, that's uh, an interesting script on that yeah. you guys have for like the last episodes. No, he, he probably wishes he could play more, but... Uh, I'm just, you know, Rick, I'm sorry. I might be giving you a hard time this episode. Like, it's not often that I can just sandbag you whenever, you know, you're not around. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, what have I been playing? I finally finished. Well, I shouldn't say finally. I've only been playing it for a couple weeks. But I, final, I finally finished Final Fantasy II on Game Boy Advance. And the lights just turned on. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I... I really powered through it's not a super long game um you know this is final fantasy 2 is like a classic like old school nintendo kind of game right um it was originally on the nes um so it's pretty sh- i wouldn't say it's straightforward it's definitely if i was using it like an old game facts guide oh wow, um, okay. to like help myself get through the game because it's very puzzling it's sometimes very hard to know where to go next i mean this is something that back in the day you know took months and months for like kids and people who are playing this game to figure out and like how do we get to the end how do we progress and then you know at the time nintendo had that call-in line that's right that charged that's like right. 20 cents a minute yeah. where they would have the game master and who would tell you like where to go and what to do next those were the days right there yeah, yeah. um but uh yeah i finished it um what's cool about final fantasy 2 on the game boy advance is once you unlock it there's a separate campaign uh Gosh, the name is escaping me right now. Um, it's something of souls. Sorry, this is embarrassing. Um, and so it's like a, a second game within Final Fantasy II, like a bonus chapter of the story that wasn't there when the game first came out. And essentially what it is is all the party members. There's like a rotating fourth party member in this game. You have three core party members of your group. Think of it almost like a Pokemon game, except instead of Pokemon catching, mm-hmm. you're like different people are in your party. Gotcha. Okay. And so there's four slots, and then as you play through the game, the fourth party member kind of rotates to different characters throughout the game. Okay. So it's like uh, if you always had Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Charmander, but occasionally Rattata was in the fourth slot, and yes. you know whoever else showed up. But um, Basically, the the bonus campaign is all of the characters who were fourth party members but died during the game's story, and they're sort of in this sort of afterlife scenario, and they have their own role to play in helping the the main campaign finish their quest, but sort of from like an unseen sort of angle of gotcha. providing support. So I haven't played that yet, but it is something I do want to do. So was this a newer release like post, after the game came out? Like, so, so this is, I'm playing it on the Game Boy Advance. Okay. So this is I want to say 2002. Okay, I'm trying to put the drop years around my head yeah. on that one. So, so I mean we're, you know, if you look at the original fi- Final Fantasy 2 I think came out in 88. Oh wow. So, okay. but think about it. 2002 was only 14 years later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we're we're almost as far from the Game Boy Advance release is now than the Game Boy Advance release was from the original uh, NES release, which is kind of scary that's to think about. Weird, okay, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I am gonna play this campaign. I'm hoping to get to it soon. There's some stuff coming out, like the new uh, Pokemon DLC. I think that comes out next week for Scarlet and Violet. That's right. Yeah, the final chapter of the Scarlet and Violet story. Um, so that might pull me away from finishing Final Fantasy to uh, something of souls. <laughs> um, 
Aside from that, I did pick up a couple games on some Black Friday sales. They didn't go really crazy this year. I'm, I'm proud of myself for kind of keeping it in check. But I did pick up Forspoken okay. for PlayStation 5, which I think came out earlier this year and was not super well received. It was made by the studio that made... Um, Sorry, not the studio, the the group of people at Square Enix who made Final Fantasy XV. Right. Their next project was Forspoken, and uh, their their specific little studio was called Luminous Productions. And after Sport, Forspoken came out, Square Enix disbanded Luminous Productions oh, wow. and absorbed... I mean, no one lost their job. Oh, they okay, all got okay. <laughs> absorbed into other departments. But basically, Forspoken was kind of a big... Critical and commercial, I wouldn't call it a big failure, but it it did not catch fire like the way they hoped it. But I've heard enough good things about it, and it was $15, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to give Forspoken a chance. Okay. So I'll, I'll get around to checking it out at some point. Right. I, the story sounded really interesting when I was researching it a little bit. Um, yeah, it's like a fish out of water kind of story, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the I don't want to give too much away. I mean, oh, uh, you can talk about yeah. the beginning of the okay. story. Yeah, just a, um, a girl who uh, who's from New York who mm-hmm. shows up and uh, like modern day New York, right? Yeah, modern day New York, correct? Yeah, yeah. and then uh, is abducted, not abducted. I think that's the wrong word to use, but like uh, um, transported, whisked away to yeah. There you world. go. That's a better way to put it. Yeah, uh, it's like a. There were those movies in the '90s, a kid in King Arthur's court. See, and that's what that was the kind of the vibe I got from it when I was reading through, and just uh, that's what sounded really fascinating. Like this is going to actually be a really interesting story at the end of the day. So. There is a, a name for these in Japanese popular culture. They're called, and I'm probably mispronouncing this. <laughs> uh, it's called. I'm gonna I'm gonna spell it first. It's I S E K A I. It's like isk iskai. Iskai. Okay. Yeah, it means like someone from another world, like brought to another place and now they have to like either find their way home or like just live there now okay interesting um it's it's a common trope in like japanese media okay is that where it was popularized first before it became american Uh, i mean i don't know the true origin i'm there could be some old story from you know norway or something (laughs) canterbury tale what are you talking about it's all yeah maybe i'm I'm joking i'm not sure it's been a while since i've read the canterbury (laughs) tales i'm totally joking by the way but um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. I hear it has a really unique magic system where you combine your different magic together to create like spells and yeah. things on the fly. And like, I want to say there's like some crazy number of like possible spell combinations. So uh, the mechanics sound really cool. Uh, the traversal, meaning like how the character moves around in the game mm-hmm. also looks really exciting. I've heard so-so things about the story and the writing, but again, for 15 bucks, that's worth a shot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was sure. originally, I think, a 60 or $70 game. I would not pay that much. Right. Um, and I feel bad. Well, I mean, you know, I don't feel bad. You know, like, a day, someone who supports a game on day one, I respect that because yeah. there is always that fear that, like, a game is going to immediately go on sale or something like that. So it's like a lot of people will hold off now until a game goes on sale. And I've become a little more of that. I don't, aside from very few select games that I'm like really passionate about, like the series or the franchise, I'll pick them up on day one, but generally I'll just try and wait. Yeah. Cause most, 
Probably the smarter move at the end of the day when you think about it, especially if you're not it like is. dedicated to that. Particular right. Like series. if I'm not going to play it immediately, right. I probably don't need to have it right. on day one. Exactly. For sure. So. I do kind of make exceptions for a lot of Nintendo and Switch titles mm-hmm. because they tend to hold their value really well and they don't often go on, like when they That's go on true. sale, yeah. they're like $10 off. Right. Whereas like I got a, 15, a $60 game for $15 like seven months later, you know? Yeah. So I mean, like, how many times have I like texted and go, hey, is this going to come down anytime soon? And you're like, no, especially for like a Nintendo no. title. It's yeah, it's, it's and hold. like I mean, if you look at old Nintendo titles, oh, they yeah. even hold their value even more. So, speaking real quick of old Nintendo titles, um, yesterday, have you ever been to a Daiso? Yes. Okay, so yeah. Daiso, if you don't know, is basically like a Japanese ninety-nine cent store. Yeah, I mean, except their things are they have like tiers of prices. Yeah, and I would say the quality is, uh, I would say, a bit better than the ninety-nine cent store by far. I mean, yeah, it's it's a great place if you get a chance to check it out. Yeah, I mean, you do pay more at Daiso, so you hope the quality would be higher. Right. But, and I mean, like, the conversion is like, if something is 300 yen, it's like $4.50 here. Okay. Which is, the yen is so weak right now, it's not really (laughs) a proper, it's not really advantageous, it's advantageous to Daiso. Right. They're probably doing way better business in the States than they are doing in Japan. Um, but anyways, I was at Daiso last night, and I came across this thing called a pasta holder. So this is supposed to hold your pasta noodles, like after you open the box. I'm assuming like a spaghetti type noodle. Yeah, spaghetti. In this case. Yeah, yeah, mostly. That's what I'm, at least what the audience described. It's, yeah, it basically looks something fettuccine. like fettuccine. Exactly. It's a very long rectangle. But I was like, wow, that looks like the perfect size for Game Boy cartridges. And yeah, looking at it, it, it is... No joke. It's the, the perfect, perfect size for Game Boy cartridges. <laughs> so I had this. I, I'm really big into Game Boy games. I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I I love picking up random Game Boy games whenever I can. And there's something I could appreciate because I was this war. I was my first system was Game Boy. So yeah. having that Game Boy color. Um, so I uh, I picked up a couple of these boxes, kind of hoping that they would fit. And anyways, I get home, they do fit perfectly, uh, you know, and I, I have this bin with all my Game Boy games in them and other miscellaneous Game Boy-related paraphernalia and accessories. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, they're just loose in this bin, and, like, whenever I want to find something, I'm, like, rummaging through them, and, like, really? it's, it's hard to find something. So now huh, okay. well, I've got these cool, well, but they're loose cartridges. So it's okay. like, how do you organize loose cartridges in a big, giant bin? True. Because yeah. as soon as you I mean, I want to talk out, because, I, you know, I'm just as guilty of doing the same thing. Yeah, too. it's like a Imagine they were all in that trash can. It's like, yeah. try to organize them inside that trash can. A bunch yeah, of loose luck. cartridges. <laughs> so with these um, pasta holders, I can fit six of these pasta holders inside my one bin. So for example, the the one I brought here is all of my Japanese games. Oh, okay. So, and luckily, I think aside from one game, they all fit inside one of these pasta holders. Um, so now I can put a label on the top and say Japanese Game Boy game. So I know if I'm looking for my Japanese Game Boy games, I just pull this one and I'm not going all around. Yeah, no, no, I think that that's a really smart action. And then you have them in kit. Did you put the casing on after the fact or is so, like the um, wrap on yeah, it? Yeah, there's this great website, Retro Protection. They sell uh, like hard cases for like your inbox games. Um, and like acrylic ones as well as like cheaper ones made of like PET plastic. Um, and you know, they're like a dollar or so each for your average size game. Um, and for some, like they also make custom ones for like collector's edition sizes and things like that. So if you really want to keep your things in good condition, but they also sell these, uh, little plastic bags. Think of them as something like someone, if someone's making like chocolates and candies at home, they might put them in these little bags to like give them to people. 
But he has ones that are custom sized for like cartridges, loose cartridges. So I have a lot of my loose cartridges in these these little plastic bags. Um, it just kind of keeps them looking nice. It adds like an extra level of sheen and just kind of cleanness to oh, them. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And of course, it makes it easy for when you're pulling them out of your new yeah. And it just holder. it keeps them it keeps them uh, clean too. They're not rubbing cool. up against each other. And you know, our prior audience remembers the whole. I mean, I'm sure now. I think nowadays it's like a bad thing to do, but yeah. blowing into the actual cartridge to get any dirt out to fix the game. Yeah. So, so. nowadays, when I acquire a new game, I will uh, open it up. I have the tool to open it up. Oh, okay, gotcha. And I clean the board and the con. Tax, so that way I can make sure, and I test it immediately too to make sure it plays. Um, so yeah, I'm just really pleased with this this pasta holder from Daiso. I actually posted about it on. Yeah, I was going to ask him. You got to show some kind of visual of where to find yeah, this. Yeah, I out. posted about it on my personal Twitter. I should have posted about it from the uh, the Bitbeacon Twitter, but um, and I, I tagged uh, some homebrew people, some homebrew uh, Game Boy game development uh, accounts, and it's actually kind of taken off by wildfire. And I'm getting all these people asking me questions oh, cool. and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh wow, does it fit? It like no, that? I mean, like, yeah. Again, it's like it's amazing that it all fits perfectly in there. And then, of course, with the added protection with the uh, wrappers they have on it, that really helps. Yeah, with for me, and um, I spent like hours last night, just like I was like so happy I found these, and I was like organizing them all into the mm-hmm. different things. It also fits Game Boy Advance games really well too. Oh, like, nice. Okay. I mean, they're about the same width uh-huh. so they're just a little shorter yeah makes um, sense. so yeah that i don't know i spent like three hours last night just organizing retro games and that was like pure heaven oh me. yeah no for sure it sounds, it sounds amazing to do that um and i did pick up one other game i picked up psychonauts 2 um this game came out a few years ago uh shortly after double fine the creator of the game was acquired by xbox okay. but they still finished releasing the game for playstation so it's funny, an Xbox game releasing on PlayStation, haha. Yeah. Um, and I, the reason I picked it up, it, it was on sale. It wasn't super cheap, but for some reason, it was a seventy dollars game because it came with all these extras, like really? all these like postcards and little tchotchkes and stuff. Okay. But they didn't sell like a normal version of the game. That was just the game alone. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about Psychonauts One. I hear that it didn't do that great. I mean, it was cr- um, critically is, received, but it yeah. just didn't put put the numbers out that they wanted. So the original Psychonauts is like a old game, like xbox ps2 game um and it was a critical hit but a commercial flop right um it's it sort of achieved cult status over time okay and then it eventually got like enough fans that they were they were able to green light making a second one okay and the second one was i believe nominated for game of the year i think two years ago at the game awards yeah i was reading about that too as well that this one's actually again critically acclaimed as well yeah. again so but, but sales were better yes yeah than they were the first time um but uh, the reason why i picked it up is because and we'll talk about it later this episode there's a, a day of the devs event later this week and it's run by double fine productions the company who made psychonauts 2 and there's a good chance a really really good chance that the creator of psychonauts uh tim schaefer who's also created a bunch of like really old classic pc adventure games like grim fandango uh full throttle uh, he'll be there, so my hope is that I'll be able to get it signed yep. while I'm I, there. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past your Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I will do my darndest to yeah. make that happen. Um, and you, like you said, you haven't been playing anything. Yeah, no, the only thing. I'm, oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I, I'm a big Pokemon Go fanatic. Um, right. I just that's a, I, I'm checking in every day. I'm doing the research task and things See, like I've that. See, I've been I've been 
I've been kind of not down on the game. I just haven't been playing a whole lot lately. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing the bare minimum, just logging in, spinning my Pokestop, catching a Pokemon, <laughs> and uh, doing one of my research tasks, and then I just kind of log off. Okay, so you do like the daily task, and then just kind of. I think once I got shiny Jirachi, I was like, I okay. need a break. Okay, like that, that research was like I like powered through it the last couple of months after I finally caught my third Kecleon or mm-hmm. fifth Kecleon or whatever it oh, was. Oh, yeah, I still got to do that. that that's one of You're the stuck ones. You're on that I'm still? stuck on that one right now, oh, yeah. Man. So, I know. Yeah, there was a Kecleon. Uh, my roommate was telling me that Kecleon was boosted maybe two months ago that, or something like that. Yeah, I remember like him that. Recall, recalling that. So, yeah. yeah seeing that, so and so, boost. yeah, I was like, oh, my God, there's only, like, 12 hours left of Kecleon boosted. Yeah. So, I was driving around with my friend, and sure enough, I kept checking Pokestop <laughs> while we were driving, and one of them popped up. Um, and man. so uh, that happened. So you know who you are. Thank you for helping me get that final Kecleon. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was good to have Shiny Jirachi, but then I was just kind of like, I need a break. Yeah. But something's got me coming back. Yeah, that's true. Um, Pokemon Company, or Pokemon Go Niantic, Niantic they yeah. just announced a uh, this, the Pokemon Go tour Sinnoh mm-hmm. or the Sinnoh tour yeah. I'm not sure what the official yeah it's true because I think I've heard it interchangeably between when they dumped Kanto and Johto Pokemon Go tour Kanto I don't know yeah but uh so they announced we we went to the Hoenn tour event earlier right. this year yes. in Vegas yes the mm, it was bad it was yeah I mean especially because I was the one that dropped all kinds of money on the <laughs> extra uh, bonus uh, features that you guys know what what they are so we we went on saturday yes. that's the day we picked to attend the hoenn tour event in vegas and it was bad over like twenty thousand non-ticketed people showed up because yes. this was in a public park so the cell towers were just completely jammed yeah. and it was a I, total... I think I was, yeah because i was stuck trying to get in for like the first half hour 45 minutes i believe yeah oh yeah and there was times where i got locked out for like a full hour yeah. especially it was like right near the end of the day too mm-hmm. when things were st- oh that's true we're yeah, kind of starting right. to get a little more stable as mm-hmm. people were leaving yeah. and it was like it just would not let me sign in it yeah. was it was really bad and so what do we do <laughs> We sign up for round two. Yep, exactly. Um, Glutton for punishment. Definitely. I mean, like, what are the odds that the tour event is that close to us again? Oh, I know, yeah. I mean, Vegas isn't that far from us, but I mean, it was was a drive. Yeah. You know, it was a commitment to go out there. Sure, sure. But this new one... Is in our backyard. Yeah, it's in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl. Like, we're going to be playing Pokemon Go inside a stadium. That stadium is going to be a Pokemon stadium for a day, which is pretty cool. Literally. Uh, hopefully because it's not open to the public uh the reception and things will be better they'll set up the cell towers inside the stadium so i wonder if because uh, there's brookside right there next to rose bowl as well i wonder if they'll utilize any of that as well brookside for... it's a park that's right next oh, to the rose okay. bowl so you know it's it it talks about there being a golf course entrance okay. and a stadium right. entrance so i don't know if it's going to use kind of maybe multiple areas there i mean mm. i imagine if that's a public park they probably don't want to use that right right well i mean it's, it's kind of hard to get to i mean for those not familiar with rose bowl it's it's a very narrow canyon area so it's like a one way in one way out sort of situation okay. so sounds like traffic is going to be yeah bad. well we booked a nearby <laughs> hotel so i mean i don't know if we'll stick with the booking or not but I mean, it's I, a short walk from old town as well so 
Yeah, you know what's crazy? Most of the hotels, there's not really any hotels that are super, super close to the Rose Bowl. Right. I think the nearest one is like a mile away, but yeah. that one was like really expensive. So the one I found is about a little more than two miles away. So I don't know if we're going to want to walk that before we start our day at True. doing 10 hours of Pokemon Go. Yeah. But uh, we might have to Uber down there or something early in the morning. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about this. I mean, if I mean, fool me once. Yeah. Fool me twice, <laughs> and if it was in nearby again, you'd probably fool me again. <laughs> probably, yeah. But yeah, I just can't. Uh, you can't pass up the opportunity. I mean, come on. Right. It's, like, it's literally right here. Like, why would yeah, you not do it? Why would we not do it? Yeah. But yeah, like you were saying, you spent a bunch of extra money. Yes. All I bought was the ticket, but you bought all these add-ons that added, like, for $15, get more raid passes. For $15, Now, you mind know, you, the friend that also XP. listens was also on the same boat. We were kind of just going off each other. Yeah, you guys were like, someone was like, I'm doing it. Yeah. And then you're like, I'm doing it. Yeah. And it then I'm was... like, nah. Yeah, exactly. And I do not regret that no, decision. No, and I actually, in hindsight now, looking back on it, it was kind of a big waste because of the way I wasn't able to utilize the stuff in the very beginning at, at Vegas. Um, right, that, yeah. yeah. Like, especially the walking thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, just what a mess. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was so bad. I heard the second day was a lot better for whatever reason. I don't know if they deployed more... Well, remember they op- at the last minute they opened it up to the strip. I think right. Yeah, yeah their way of compensating everybody yeah. on day one. And we're throwing air quotes on this. <laughs> yeah, their day of compensating us was oh, everywhere in Vegas will have the effects of Go Fest. But the thing is, we weren't staying on the strip. Correct. Yeah, we were staying close to the park where right. the actual event was. Yeah. So where we were, there wasn't really a huge amount of Pokemon Go activity, and we were like dead yeah after the whole day there oh yeah because we got there so we got there at like seven in the morning with this yeah six or seven in the morning because yeah. we wanted to get the the t-shirts oh, and then remember too the the fire alarm that woke us up oh my yeah God. that was that was fun yeah yeah the fire alarm that morning woke <laughs> us up and we were like we're gonna go get breakfast somewhere because... yeah then of course the breakfast place wasn't even open yet where it's just yeah we had there. to wait like yeah. another 20 minutes there i mean it's an adventure i mean that's what's all about it i had fun yeah, yeah. It's, like the memories are good it. the experience in the moment was not the best right. but like looking back on it even though it was only you know 10 months ago it was a good time yeah yeah so for sure um so what have we been up to well gaming related uh i don't think sam's been up to much of anything no no, no. Unfortunately, nothing. i mean you can you can you know you've been on a podcast now about video games yeah. How's the experience so far? Oh, no, the experience is been great. I mean, yeah. you know, just, yeah, you, you guys uh, kill my... I have kind of a long commute, so versus... Uh, okay, yeah, I came to you for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so, I mean, I, I appreciate that, by the way. Yeah, um, I was like, if he's doing me a favor, there's no way... I mean, you probably would have. Yeah. But I was like, oh, my God, we'd be recording until, like, yeah, like 11 at night. Yeah, and, of course, yeah. it's a weeknight, so I have a regular... Yeah. We all got work tomorrow. Nine to five job, you know, the yeah. whole whole bit, so... I got a uh, seven to 3 30 oh excuse so me excuse me i gotta wake up even earlier <laughs> yeah well you wake up pretty early by choice that's true yeah. um okay so i did attend a small event over the weekend at gallery nucleus it was for the river city girls 2 art book um release and where was that uh, held up so this is at gallery nucleus in alhambra okay this is an event that rick and i are a uh, a venue Rick and I have mentioned before. Yeah. We've done like Last of Us events there, Final Fantasy events there. Okay. They do a lot of very cool pop culture art events. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're Gallery Nucleus. I love you guys. I hope you never go anywhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, this was a pretty intimate event. There was probably only uh, 
I'd say 50, maybe 60 people at most in oh, attendance. Really good, yeah. And um, they had the director of the games. Mm-hmm. They had the art director and like lead background pixel artist there, as well as the character designer for the game. Okay. Um, I haven't played these games myself but i own them (laughs) as is often the case um and they're games i want to play i just haven't Uh, but they're like old school like beat-em-up style games yeah that was the impression i got from looking at the yeah they they're like total like pixel art but then they have these like really nice high quality art assets that pop up when there's like dialogue and things between the characters so you can kind of form this image of what the character really looks like while you're, you know, playing with a little, like, 16, 32-bit looking yeah. pixel character. So, one thing I got to ask is that, because I know you went to the uh, concert last week. Um, the Genshin Impact Well, yeah. that was a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, excuse me. Yeah, yeah so, we pre-recorded but, uh, last week's episode. Right, yeah. So, but um, just going back to, since this was an art exhibit, how was the, um, it was a smaller crowd, so it wasn't as... Well, it wasn't actually an art exhibit. Okay. It was more like an art look launch party okay so the art on the walls actually didn't have to do with the game okay it was uh, something else entirely just a different exhibit this was just uh, they did do like a powerpoint presentation and they did show some cool like behind the scenes things right they didn't say i couldn't take pictures so i did take pictures (laughs) (laughs) of course Um, i mean no one told me to stop um and then, you know, at the end, after their presentation, there's time for Q&A, mm-hmm. and then there was a signing. So, okay. and I, I did pick, they did have a couple art prints for sale, some okay. really nice, high-quality art prints that were pretty reasonably priced, um, and uh, Rick wasn't able to come with me last minute, unfortunately, due to his uh, family issues that he was talking about earlier, right. um, but... Uh, I picked him up one of the art pieces and myself, oh, cool. and I was able to get that signed for him. So as soon as he pays me, you know, thirty-seven fifty, <laughs> I'll make sure to hand over his art to him. There's actually another River City Girls event coming up pretty soon at this game store in Burbank. Uh, some of the developers, as well as the voice actors for the two lead characters, are going to be there. Oh, nice. Okay. It's not this weekend. It's the following weekend on Saturday. Okay. Um, so I don't know if I want to make the trip to Burbank or not. Yeah, that's kind of a That's trip. a drive. Yeah. That's like at least an hour and a half, yeah. probably. So I don't know. I, I might do it, uh, but uh, I'm not totally sold on it quite yet. But, uh, yeah, that's that's what I've been up to. Um, there's, of course, two big events happening this week. We'll talk about that later. Um, but for now, we're going to jump into the news. All right, sounds good. All right. So our first news topic, which uh, is something exciting, something positive happening in the digital uh, physical. We actually have a bit of digital physical kind of news this week. Um, but this one has Capcom has reversed course and will release Ace Attorney Apollo Justice Trilogy physically, after all. Initially, when this game was announced, it was going to be a digital-only title in the West. The only way to get a physical copy was either to import it from somewhere in Asia, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, all of a sudden, last week, a bunch of listings started popping up for physical copies on places like Video Games Plus and Amazon and Best Buy. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I immediately jumped on that pre-order because this is one of those games where it's like, if they're having to waffle on, like, will we produce copies or not, right. that tells me that they're probably not going to produce a lot. Mm-hmm. So I want to get one of those, whether I play it or not immediately, yeah. I need to have one because 
I don't want that to be, you know, like, oh, it's out of stock, yeah. you know, and then never to be, you know, reprinted, which happens a lot. Yeah, and like you had mentioned before, like, I'm a big, I love physical copies of games. I mean, there's just nothing like, you know, being able to actually, you have it, so, and I know you got to mention it too before with servers and things, not, not going to last forever. No. Or, there's no guarantees anymore with anything. So. No, and, you know, we're seeing a disturbing trend, something I think I might talk about next week of more and more games coming physical supposed physical copies uh-huh. coming basically just being nothing on disc and then you download the whole entire game really yeah it's really it's so that is, so it's like even more of a tease than when you just get the code inside the package and... it's almost like it's yeah it's not even like there's a code in the package right. you just insert the disc and then like it's a patch that downloads the whole game to your hard drive really so it's almost like it's just it's like a little seed on the disc and then, you know, in order for it to grow, you need an internet connection. Have you seen any of it recently from anything you purchased? Or uh, Well, uh, I had mentioned this in a previous episode, Star Wars Jedi Survivor that came out last year. That was that way. You couldn't play the game without first downloading, like, 50 gigs of data. Oh, wow. Um, and there's an upcoming game from Ubisoft. Uh, it's like an Avatar video game. Not okay. The Last Airbender, the right. James Cameron yeah, Avatar. James Cameron Avatar. <laughs> and it actually looks like an interesting game. But some people have gotten their hands on physical copies early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, pretty early. Uh, but you insert the disc and there is no the download won't even trigger yet. So wow. the disc is essentially a coaster. Wow. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm just in awe with that. That's, that yeah. is ridiculous. That's disturbing to yeah, me. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, going back to the Apollo Justice trilogy, um, this is you know it's this is why people speaking out, people complaining, like this podcast, yes. us being like, what the heck, man? I mean, I don't know how much reach we got yet, but um, <laughs> well, you just got one person that's listening that's yeah. on the show now, so <laughs> um, you know, like there people, this upsets people, and they see that people are like buying, importing the Asia copies, and they're like, why would we do that? that's lost sales, yeah. like domestic sales? So and they're not including if there's any kind of conversion for the uh, between Japanese to English or I mean, yeah, most of these games that people import now, we know in advance whether or not it'll have like English on cart right. or on disc or on cart already. More and more games these days tend to be made that way. Okay. Unless it's a game that was only ever going to be like Japan only to begin with. Right. Then we might have to wait some time or years even for the game to be like localized in English mm-hmm. with a, a proper translation. Um, so, That's exciting though with the great Ace Attorney though. So yeah. Definitely. Um, so much like the great Ace Attorney Chronicles physical release early or last year, this physical release will be switch only. There will not be a PlayStation physical release. So PlayStation players will have to purchase a copy either digitally or import a Japanese or Asia English copy from, uh, another country. Mm -hmm. Or there, there are certain websites that help facilitate this for gamers that are looking for that. So it's not entirely uncommon these days to see physical copies only on Switch, especially for like niche series. Mm-hmm. It seems like publishers really don't want um, a lot of copies sitting on the shelves. Mm. So they would rather sell the copies so they can keep them at a high price. Because if they end up with too much stock on the shelves, you know, and we don't really, shelves, we're not really talking about real shelves anymore. Yeah. We're talking about mostly warehouses with online. Right. But at the end of the day, it's all it's all real estate, whether it's a yeah. physical brick and mortar or a warehouse. An yeah, because the warehouse is like, okay, I have a thousand copies of this mm-hmm. game. Like, you have to let me discount it yeah. because 
Like they're just sitting here taking up space. So that's when the, that's when games like for spoken start going for 15 bucks Mm -hmm. or because warehouses are like, we got to get these out. They've been sitting here for 10 months. Like, like, I'm sorry. Ben buys them and they throw them in there and, um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably why, uh, the PS4 copies are not going to be made for this, mm. which is too bad. Cause I know there are a lot of like PS4 and PS5 game collectors. We got another story about physical media. We're going to shift things over from games to Hollywood for a second though. Um, so filmmakers are championing physical ownership of media. Recently, studios, movie studios, uh, TV studios have been pulling uh, streaming series and movies off the air. When I say off the air, I mean they're taking them off HBO Max, they're taking them off Paramount Plus, or wherever they're at. And then these series that were only available for streaming now just vanish. Mm. Like the only way you can see them is if you're a pirate. Like you would literally have to like seek these out on shady websites now right. if you want to watch them. And they're pulling these. And they're claiming them as tax write-offs. Like, oh, they weren't successes, so uh, we'll just write them off. And then some of these series may never see the light of day again. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's gotten really bad. And filmmakers such as Christopher Nolan, yep. the guy behind uh, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer recently. Out, yeah. uh, maybe some other ones. <laughs> uh, we got... Uh, um, What's the... Inception? Uh, t- t- Tenet. Tenant, um, Inception. Inception, the Batman uh, franchise. Oh, yeah. Batman How begins, can we forget that? The Dark Knight, <laughs> Dark and the Dark Knight Rises. Um, so, you know, he's a, he's an auteur. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, he's been lamenting it. And then Guillermo del Toro also kind of latched on to his sentiments and had something to say. So real quick, I'm going to read what these guys were saying. So Christopher Nolan said, if you buy a 4K ultra high definition, you buy a Blu-ray, it's on your shelf. It's yours. No company is going to break into your house and take it from you and repossess it. It's yours and you own it. That's never really the case with any form of digital distribution. Truer words cannot be said about movies, TV shows, and video yeah, games. I think that drives it home right there. Like It's 100% true right there. Yeah. 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 Like, I, I know a lot of uh, companies will say when you buy a physical game now... You're not buying a physical game. You're buying a license. But because there's no way for them to actually exert any control yeah. over the physical license, right. it's still yours. It's still effectively yours, whether however the company wants to define it or not. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring this up because, I mean, we've even been seeing it throughout, like, IT and other, you know, subscription model base. Okay. Yeah, for, like, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah, everything. No like, one sells software anymore. Yeah, exactly. Everyone just sells subscriptions. Yeah, exactly. It's all pumped into the cloud and we'll charge you for storage or yeah. whatever. And it's just, like, it's just, yeah, it's, just, it's getting out of hand at it's, this point. It's, yeah. Like, subscriptions were originally seen as, like, oh, this is a cool thing. And mm-hmm. now it's, like, everyone wants a subscription for everything. Yeah. It's, like, can I just buy something outright anymore? Yeah. No. No. The answer is no. Yeah. Um, and Guillermo del Toro kind of uh, retweeted uh, Christopher Nolan's quote and added this onto it. He said, physical media is almost at a Fahrenheit 451 level of responsibility. And by that, he means where people memorized entire books and thus became the book, the book they loved. If you own a great 4K HD, Blu-ray, DVD, etc. of a film or films you love, you are the custodian of these fil- those films for generations to come. Yeah. And that's that's a really interesting way of putting it, and it's that's like almost a scary way. Of oh putting yeah, no, it. yeah, like definitely. That is like frightening. Yeah, it's like sounding the alarm, you know. Yeah, because if you yeah. never read Fahrenheit four fifty one, that's like that's like a serious Your dystopian book. kind of yeah. future. Yeah, of yeah, you know, just um, yikes. <laughs> and uh, 
Sean Layden, the former CEO and president of Sony Interactive Entertainment, was in the comments of Guillermo del Toro's tweet saying, uh, video games too. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to see that he's still feeling that way. He's still passionate about physical. Love that guy. Mm -hmm. I miss him. Uh, but I know he's not coming back to PlayStation. But... It's just great to see the pushback, though, that obviously this is becoming a major issue. And yeah. It has to be I, I hope. I hope so. I, I do feel like it's sort of the opposite. Uh, but real quick before we talk about that. No, you're fine. Okay. You're fine. You don't need to apologize. <laughs> uh, Rick wrote in a note here and that he would like me to read for everyone. Uh, so as we mentioned previously, Rick had a one-on-one -on -one, like hour-long sit-down with Sean Layden a few years ago. And um, Rick, Rick said, during his in-person conversation with Sean, previously mentioned in an earlier episode, I already said that, Rick, you don't need to mention it again, <laughs> um, one major topic of it was wanting to see the games industry become more in league with the film industry. Sean definitely displayed a strong sentiment in this regard, so it's interesting to see that same or similar sentiment in this reply. So talk, that's, that's interesting um, because, I mean, I don't know. Do I really want video games to be like the film industry? I know there is sort of this trend towards like Hollywood. Right. That film or that games, they seem to want to be recognized. Oh, definitely. By like Hollywood. Like, oh, unless Hollywood, unless we get that kind of attention, we don't matter. Well, look know? at like the last like 20 years or so. I mean, look how cinematic in a sense games are nowadays. I mean, yeah. Which games, is an appreciation, don't get me wrong. Like, it's an art form and I appreciate that. Games but. are super cinematic yeah. and I like a lot of those kinds of games. They're some of my favorite single player cinematic adventure games. Those are awesome. Yeah. Um, I guess what worries me more is sort of like the, oh, we want celebrities in our games, uh, you know, like, because yeah. there's all these wonderful, amazing like voice actors who are not celebrities. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like a lot of people would maybe recognize their voice. Now, there's there's another problem with the voice. There's a lot of like the same 10 voice actors doing yeah. everything in every game, which I don't like. Yeah. And you see that a lot with animation, too. Oh, know, yeah. Well, Those so, same people yeah. doing animation are the ones mm -hmm. doing a lot of voices exactly. in games. So I'd like to see a greater variety there. But it's not that different from Hollywood. We have like the same, you know, 20, 25 people that are in like every freaking movie now. Yeah. Um, like Christopher Pratt. Yeah, please. I was right. You guys were mentioning please. that earlier. Yeah, uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Come on. <laughs> or let's get somebody who's seasoned and get somebody who's you know I guess has a one big show and then we'll throw them in there together. Yeah, I mean, and go, we'll... go get that bag. You know, do what you got to do. But I mean, it's like Hollywood. Like, come yeah. on. There's so I had to echo something that Rick had, there. had brought up earlier about that. You know, just at what point it becomes so like. We have to have a Chris Pratt, you know, star or you yeah. know some other big A list actor on there when you know. I can appreciate the nobody coming up, you know, up and coming. I mean, we see it at the Game Awards a lot. Yeah. Like, if you watch the Game Awards, I encourage you to. Just check it out. Um, streaming Thursday night. Okay. Um, <laughs> <Shameless> plug. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I should be there. Um, like, the amount of, like, Hollywood injected into... They even added a new uh, award category for best adaptation. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So, no, okay, so clarify. Is it adaptation for... Adaptation of a game into a TV or movie, basically. Gotcha. Okay. TV show or movie. Okay, so not the other way of... Well, I guess not the, the there other. wouldn't be too much. Yeah, I was going to say... Mean, I know. So it's... there are licensed games, right. for sure. Licensed games have always been a big thing. But, like, there's no award for best licensed game, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if when Rick was talking to Sean, he was talking so much about sort of these kinds of sentiments... Um, but uh, I'm glad that Sean sh shares that sentiment now, for sure. 
Um, so, you know, like I was saying, it's great to see high-profile artists talk about this kind of a thing so publicly when their bosses at Warner Brothers and wherever mm-hmm. do not feel this way. Absolutely. They would love if people didn't or they didn't have the option to buy things physically. Oh, and yeah. they're probably counting down the days until that goes away. They probably see Best Buy doing away with physical movies as like a wonderful thing. You know, like great, we'll have more control. Mm-hmm. We'll have we'll let them watch it when they when we want them to mm-hmm. watch it. Like, yeah, that's just the stuff I can't stand. I want that movie to be there. If I want to watch that movie, yeah. ideally, if it's a movie I really love, I want I want that movie to be there whenever I want it or to like be there. Or, like, what I wonder, too, is how long until, like, you see all the time when, you, when you're watching TV or whatever. I mean, I know you don't watch a lot of TV because you're obviously... Not playing, as much. You're playing games and stuff, you know, doing cooler things than I am. But I've noticed that they have, like, these, oh, the theoretical version has been shortened down or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't remember that, that scene's not been cut out or whatever. I was watching, we were watching the second Harry Potter movie on... Uh, one of the streaming services, I think it was Peacock. Okay. And it was the TV version. Like, oh, it was the oh. one with, like, the fade-ins and outs of, to, like, commercials. Oh, like, you can tell there's a commercial break somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, and we were like, what the heck are we watching here? That's Why weird. do they have the the TV version mm-hmm. of the movie? But it makes you wonder, I mean, you know, drawing similarities, I mean, how long until, like, games might start doing that or whatever, where they start making an abridged version of what the original was. I mean... We do see games get remade. Right, but, but I'm talking about from a, from a, just, it was already from its inception, a digital download. And now, from what you remember playing it, say, here we are in 2023, uh-huh. you pick it up back up in 2029, and uh-huh. it's a, like, wait a minute, there's been scenes cut out or. Mm. Because, like you censorship know, concerns? Sort, sort of like that. I would say not necessarily like the hard censorship, but just like, oh, because uh, it didn't flow or there was a re-imagination. Well, so, or, okay. So, yeah, like games get, like a good example of this is like they... Versus re- like a re-release, for instance. Right. I, can, I can totally get behind a re-release. A re-release is generally a more straightforward like port of the original. Right. Maybe with some extra bells and whistles. But you're kind of warned at the same time that it's going to be different for the most part. Generally, yeah, yeah. you you know. versus yeah, but versus being like shocked. To there where... are times where they are like, "Hey, we're repackaging the old Nintendo game." Here it is. Like they did that on Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. They literally repackaged like Zelda NES right. for Game Boy Advance. It came in like a a grayish like NES color cartridge, right? Um, and it was just the NES game. Nothing done to it really. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, uh, like, for example, they remade Resident Evil 4, which was originally a GameCube game. They remade it, like, from the ground up. And, yeah, th- things were changed. But I don't think from a perspective of, like, um, oh, we, we want to, like, that sucked, so we're going to do it differently. Right. I think it's meant to... I think they both exist. It's not like the old one isn't seen as like a valid game anymore and they only want you to play the new one right yeah normally it's almost like an uh, paying homage to you know the original in its own way but now what i'm talking about though is like taking that homage or that original game making it go away yeah making it go away only having the new one or yeah just because you know say for instance i mean i'm just again just spitballing here but it's um you know um there was a creative differences between artists or whatever so to kind of x out that person's Mm. involvement we're going to cut them out Mm. and it's the, the, now the player will notice that as they're playing, like, hey, wait a minute, I remember when I played this back now, and now it's a totally, it's been X'd out or right. cut out completely. Cause... So, I mean, games are in a weird position, like, compared to, like, a DVD, right? Mm-hmm. A DVD you bought in 1999 still plays on your DVD player today. Correct. Unless, yeah. like, your disc broke or got rot or something like that. But a game you bought in 1999 mm-hmm. does not play on today's consoles. Correct. Yeah. So there is sort of this, like, 
games have now become sort of inaccessible and out of reach unless people go out of their way to like if they kept their old console but then they need like a special tv or special conversion connectors and things and then you have uh so remakes are sometimes seen as a way to like bring that old game back to life right like give new players and players you got players who remember the original fondly Mm -hmm want to play it again right and then you've got brand new players who will never have a be never have had the chance to be exposed to it unless it had gotten a remake right yeah no and i'm not i'm not dis- disregarding yeah, and like remakes are like big right now yeah oh yeah no for really sure well big. i mean especially because again i'm more of the pokemon guy as yeah. far as playing and it's, it's kind of cool to see the re-release on the switch for instance you right know, so like pokemon let's go pikachu and eevee yeah yeah like, yeah like that one or like even uh what was it um um, I'm like, you know, oh, brilliant diamond! Thank you, yeah. Pearl. Yeah, yeah, which that. I didn't play when it originally came out. Right, um, so it's kind of cool to actually take part in that whole. Yeah. So yeah, I mean remakes. You know, they are. I know that's something that Rick personally, he's kind of mixed on remakes. He yeah. he prefer. He's very like, I'll just play the original on the yeah. original console. Yeah. And not that he hates remakes. No, no. And I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Right no, no. Now, exactly. I'll, I'll hear about it later. <laughs> Rick is now promising everyone listening. I'm just yeah. kidding. But um, I think, uh, and I understand that concept. Yeah. I do. Yeah. But it's just one of those in the future. If you figure a streaming game starting from the get go as a streaming oh, game, yeah. Now I mean, it's being edited to where there there are examples. I mean, like. Rick and I have said, "There's we're going on a little long about yeah. this topic." <laughs> Sorry, um, but. Uh, <laughs> There are like examples, like online only games, like right. require an online. Eventually, they shut down, right. and then that game is just it's gone. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there are examples of that already. Um, and you know, there's not a whole lot to be done about those kinds of games. You know, like I mentioned previously, that there are there have been some examples of games that have like gone offline or mm-hmm. gotten an offline mode after the online version kind of goes away. So, I mean, maybe some studios will explore that more, but I think a lot of, especially the publishers, not the game developer, mm-hmm. but the game developer might really want to make an offline version of that game mm-hmm. when the online is done. Right. But the publisher is going to be like, that's a waste of money. No one cares about that. We need to move on to the next project that brings in more money. Yeah. So that's why a lot of times that doesn't happen and won't happen. Right. Because you look back to that whole suits versus developers. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you, know, you got creatives and you got suits yeah. and they just don't yeah, mix. mix. <laughs> and then now there are some creatives that veer into becoming suits. And then those are the ones you got to watch out for because mm. they're just trying to make, they're just trying to make money. <laughs> uh, and not that, you know, these people shouldn't be paid. You know, they, they reach more people than a lot of movies yeah. do now. Right. You know, but what cost at the end of the day is what it boils down to. Yep. So, um, so our next topic of discussion is what kids want for Christmas. And this is really interesting. I'm going to be uh, talking about this survey that the Entertainment Software Association uh, did uh, a, with kids age 10 to 7 and adults with parents. And for those that don't know, the ESA is a lobbying group, effectively, okay. for the the video game industry essentially so they're in they're in washington and when the need arises that video games are under threat or someone's like video games cause mass shootings <laughs> or so the esa is there to be like no they don't you know it does make me wonder and i don't want to go on a tangent here but uh of that if that was the reason I remember back in the like 90s especially oh yeah about, oh video games cause violence and delinquency yeah. And, yeah yeah like this whole push for oh it's all attributed to 
childhood delinquency because of these games or whatever. Well, yeah, the ESA basically scrambled in the 90s to develop the rating system mm. to essentially appease the government and stop them from like regulating, trying to regulate games. Right. Because as we know with Congress, you know, it's a bunch of 80 plus people who know nothing about technology. What, Pong? And, you know, love <laughs> I love, Pong. love making decisions about technology <laughs> that they have no right to make. Um, so, yeah, the ESA created the ESRB rating system. Okay. Um, and so you know, that's the T for teen, the e M for, for mature, everyone, E yeah. for everyone. Gotcha. And uh, that's not like enforced by law. Uh, by any means whatsoever, even though some people think it is. Um, so it just that's just a piece of trivia. But the ESA also organizes the E3 trade show. Oh, Or the former E3 trade show, because it's now been since 2019, since it's happened. Wow. Every year they've attempted to bring it back. They can't convince publishers and developers to sign up to pay big bucks to have the floor space. I bet, yeah. And uh, that's a tragedy. Um, to lose E3 due to the pandemic. But E3 was already kind of going through an identity crisis. Mm. I do think a lot of companies use the pandemic as a good excuse to sort of pull out and not come back anymore. Uh, I think it's a shame because it was just such a unique, crazy mismatch of the whole industry everywhere in L.A. Mm. or everyone in L.A. all at once Mm. and... It was just pretty wild. And I circled it down, it was down to LA Live, right? Um, it's at the convention center. Okay, gotcha. Um, but, you know, it spills into LA Live as right. well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this survey, uh, they, they did it to these kids age 10 to 17 and the adults with parents to find out what kids want for Christmas. And they found out that 72% of kids want video game related items for Christmas. 86% of the boys said they want video games as a gift while 59% of girls say the same. The survey breaks down further the kinds of video game-related gifts kids want for Christmas. So this is where it gets really interesting to me. So 39% of kids want game subscriptions, meaning Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, Nintendo Switch Online, and other apps, I think like Roblox and like Fortnite, have sort of like subscription models That's what I was going to say. Noticing with younger kids, that seems to be where it's geared toward nowadays. Yeah. Not to say, I'm not speaking on behalf of all kids, but... Yeah, there's a a discussion to be had after we run through these numbers. Um, 38% of kids want a game console. Okay, so that's that's 1% under kids who want game subscriptions, which I guess is a good sign that kids still want consoles. 32% 32% want accessories for their system. I found this one a little puzzling. Like, really, mm. that many people want accessories? Like, stickers and skins and game cases and things like that? Hard drive upgrades, maybe? 29% of kids want in-game currency cards. So, you know, Robux and, you know, Fortnite V-Bucks and, you know, all these all these in-game currencies. You take real cash and then you convert it into nothing dollars <laughs> and you use these nothing dollars to buy outfits and stuff for your characters. Um, so, okay, Rick added... Okay, this is a new bullet point. I didn't, okay. I didn't know this earlier. <laughs> Rick added... Um, oh, wait, hold on. So 22% of kids want physical copies of video games. That's still a pretty healthy number, though. Uh, not I, great, but that's... that's not great. So I guess... I, first thing, these numbers don't add up to 100. Right, correct. They go way over 100. So that means they allowed kids to... Answer multiple. And select multiple choices. Right. So I guess 
22%, a fifth of kids still want physical video games. Ah, that's, that's a little scary to me. That's a little scary. Uh, but Rick said he would like to ask how these kids could potentially be reached. What would it take for this trend to shift? <laughs> wow, Rick wants to reach these children. How do I get through these kids? He wants to reach them and slap them on the face and say, you need to ask for more physical games. Rick is games. becoming like a standard deliverer right here. I mean, hey, I'm with you, Rick. Yeah. I mean, this is... These numbers scare the heck yeah, out of me. It, it would be really interesting to see the trend of, like, say, last year, and then, of course, what, what will be next year's numbers. Dude, in, like, 10 years, we're going to have kids who were, like, doing Fortnite dances on top of cars and stuff, like, in real life. They're going to be, like, Carlton adults dance or whatever. and have, like, children. <laughs> and they're, like, they're not going to be of the mindset that, like, physical games... Oh, my God. I'm just having a realization right now. Oh, no. We are dinosaurs. Yes. We are dinosaurs. People in their 30s, late 20s, 40s, 50s. We are all Between the millennial age group. They aren't even... They're not... They're still catering to us. They're right. still giving us food to yeah. eat. Keeping us alive. We're a steady source of income right. for them. But that's why there's so, so much focus on live service. Because the future... What kids want now and what they're going to have their kids want. Oh, and by the time they reach the age where they're able to make their own money and exactly. buy whatever they want. They're just going to be playing live service games. I mean, this in 10 years, this 22% want physical copies of games is probably going to be like 10. Should we go on record and say that we'll check back in 10 years? And, uh... and it almost makes me want to make a kid. <laughs> so I can teach them the like value of physical ownership. On this episode of <laughs> like you don't want to let the corporations control everything about your life. You want to take some of that back, fight the power, buy video games. Yeah. I mean, okay, to be fair though, I mean we have seen a, seen a resurgence of like uh, record players. And, yeah, I mean like, that's something that we would have never yeah, we never, never would have seen. Which before. is interesting. Yeah. So it's like, okay, and it's like it's not just it's not just people in their 50s that no. want record players. It's people in their 20s, even teenagers, that right. think, like, vinyl is cool. Yeah. Um, so, I get, yeah, that that does, like, make me go, okay, hmm, yeah. maybe there's still room for physical games in reality. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Because I think it'll take one, I mean, and again, I'm just making a just a prediction here, but I think it'll just take... A server to go off. I mean, which has already happened. You know, oh, I know Fortnite turns off for a week. Yeah, and kids will. Or you know, off. hey, I I had a special collector's skins or whatever, and now they're no longer available anymore, and they're off into you know the dust. Yeah. Oh, I mean, some, could you imagine the? Well, it's going to get to a point where they're going to like probably let people like sell their skins that aren't available anymore, their outfits for right. their characters, and then there'll be this like black market for like. $10,000 for my, you know, Black Panther skin, you know, or whatever. <laughs> T'Challa edition, you know. Chadwick Boseman edition. Rest in peace. Yeah, way. rest in peace. Wakanda forever. Yeah, so, God, I mean... I mean, yeah, the numbers do not look good, but at the same time, though, I'm kind of... I, I'm, not, I'm willing to hold out before I make any kind of permanent... The second highest number, kids that want a game console. So that's like a physical thing that like exists. Right. So like you need game consoles to play games. Correct, yeah. So that's good. The fact that people want accessories for their system, and those are also physical Yeah, that's, I objects. guess, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then, but then it goes, in-game currency cards, 
And then finally, like 7% lower physical copies of games. Yeah, that's... I hope, yeah, I, I, like, I, like you said, I hope there's like some moment internet goes out mm-hmm. and then they got nothing to play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's always a real, real thing. You know, we, we, don't, we cannot predict the future in that regard, so... But, uh, yeah, that was uh, just, uh, I, I thought I found it very interesting mm-hmm. and, you know, I think we need to be aware of it and yeah. it, it helps me better understand why, why companies so are... many companies are shifting towards creating games that fit this kind of environment, that fit the subscription, that fit the battle pass, that fit mm-hmm. the online only, mm-hmm. like it's just more control, yeah. more money. People don't just... Like, oh, the game's free to play, but then they spend $1,000 over the course of a single year on it. Yeah, and of course, now I'll, I'll, I'll play a little bit of what I've here. Is that I feel like also, too, like, because obviously nowadays, um, millennials are parents at this point, so these are the ones raising these kids. Right. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of them are also gamers as well, to some degree, mm-hmm. and or they're using their main TV, or they're being pushed to the side of like, oh, well, it's much more convenient for you to be off to your side via a you know some kind of a cloud-based system that right. you're playing off of so what's it to me yeah, i get this i mean i play. would imagine millennials probably more than any generation yeah. are like gamers oh yeah yeah like gen x a little bit so yeah be fair i was gonna say that's what's gonna be exciting about us getting older it's gonna be like retirement homes and yeah i know we're gonna have like video game clubs <laughs> yeah exactly Oh boy, can't wait, Sam. Smash Thanks. Brothers <laughs> Melee Tournament <laughs> and Clubhouse 3. Oh, you know, uh, what's called uh, Adam over there had a heart attack because he didn't win. Oh yeah, okay, Sam, this is where you need to stop. <laughs> uh, poor Adam, may he rest in peace. Um, all right, so let's let's move on to our next story here. This is a big one. Um, Xbox sales in Europe have seemingly cratered. That's When you look at them compared to last year, the numbers are bad. So these numbers we're talking about are comparing October of 2023 to October of 2022. Um, to put things in perspective, let's look at PlayStation's numbers real quick. October 2023, PlayStation 5 sales are up 143% wow. compared to last year while Nintendo Switch sales are down 20% compared to last year. It's worth noting that the Switch is 7 years old and is like at the end of its life cycle. 20%, I would say, is probably within expected ranges. Most people that have a Switch probably have one at this or want a Switch have one at this point. I mean, I know they're still being sold, obviously, right. but, you know, sales have slowed and, you know, it's time, Nintendo, yeah. release a new console. Yeah. And I'm right. sure part of that, too, was probably the lockdowns, because, I mean, you figure, that was when we saw, you couldn't get a hold of the Switch when it was released. Well, the Switch was released in 2017. 2017, excuse me, sorry, I yeah. misspoke. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was one of those idiots I was trying to get a hold of a Switch That's during the right. lockdown. You, so, oh, yeah, during yeah. the lockdown, Switch sales went, like, yeah. insane. So, um, I mean... I don't know that 2022, the Switch sales were, were still insane. They would probably normalize yeah. at that point. Right. But yeah, 2020, 2021, yeah, the Switch was... Uh, a hot commodity. Yeah, like in certain games, like Ring Fit mm-hmm. for like the exercise benefits and Animal Crossing. Yeah, Animal Crossing. New Horizon, that was a huge seller then. 
think you were working retail. I was working retail time. then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I so I kind of had that firsthand experience of what people were. Oh yeah, you probably saw people like, do you guys have switches? Do yeah, you, you, switches? you see the foaming at the mouth and the whole thing. So did you guys keep them in electronics, or were they at like guest services or something? Um, so depending, we didn't keep them at guest services. We did keep them over in electronics, okay. but um, obviously you can buy them up, buy them, pick up at store. Right. So, you so go, they oh, go in a special right. cabinet. Uh, for pickup, so yeah, that's crazy. Now that I think about it, guest services got really crazy during yeah. the pandemic oh, yeah. because that's when like the the pickup thing really began. Yeah, and, like, we, they had to like expand and find areas to yeah. like have all this stuff like set aside for people to scrap by. Yeah, and drive up, up and pick up were big, and that was a whole that's a whole other story for another day. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so now looking at Xbox's numbers, Xbox Series X and S, which are Xbox's two consoles the xbox series x being the like really powerful high-end one and the series s being this kind of middle ground console their sales are down 52 percent it's worth noting that they were released the xbox series consoles were released almost day and date the same as the playstation 5 they were only like two weeks apart from each other um so the fact that playstation's up 143 percent and xbox series consoles are down 52 already only three years into its life cycle Hmm. um and i can't think of a good reason why sales would have been extraordinarily high last year for xbox Hmm. i mean halo was coming out the new halo game was coming out but they also just had the same time frame xbox had a big new release in starfield from bethesda studios which was probably almost as anticipated as uh as Halo was, you know, this is from the makers of Skyrim. The from, the, from, the, from the European market, though, versus North America? I would say that's that game, like Halo and uh, Star Starfield, they're mm-hmm. probably pretty equally interested okay. over there. Um, I, I wouldn't think that they were too uninterested. Now, you were bringing up, you, you yeah, bring up so, an interesting fact, though. Yeah, so it's one thing I, I was curious as to like what's the top games in europe and actually uh, one of the top ones was actually fifa oh yeah i mean so always the top one. yeah <laughs> fo- football or soccer whichever you want to call it um that's a big thing but also too not a, a lot of a nintendo uh based games so you're not or a lot of nintendo. a lot of them yeah. oh yeah, definitely. yeah so definitely you have your, your pokemon games for scarlet and violet what i've seen from sales over there is that they seem to be like nostalgia plays a big factor yeah in like game sales in Europe and the UK, it seems like if there's like a like a retro kind of throwback style mm-hmm. game, it tends to be higher up in the charts. Yeah. Whereas like these maybe these cinematic games aren't as interesting to right. them. They'd and rather course, play something a little more level based or like yeah. arcade like, right? Um, than something that's like oh here's this eighty hour. Yeah, and of course, what's Xbox really known for is those more yeah i mean definitely i mean shooter well you know xbox used to really be the the bro yeah exactly gamer console and that's important being the outsider kind of like that's exactly where my head goes when i think of xbox the madden games Mm -hmm. the call of duty shooters ncaa nba yeah all the sports games all the you know twist my hat backwards and go ride on dirt bikes you know scream at some random person on the internet sort of thing yeah like say all these horrible things because (laughs) they they teabagged you or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, we do have a little bit of insight. Uh, GI.biz, head of games, Chris Dring, provided this statement to IGN. I should mention that I did see this article on IGN 
and I just thought it would be a good jumping off point for some discussion. Uh, so Chris said, the sheer absence of available console stock last year does skew these figures quite a bit, and it's worth noting that Eurozone countries have never been Xbox's strongest territories. They revealed back in February they only hold 20% of the market versus PlayStation's 80%. However, even in the UK, which is a market where Xbox is a lot more competitive, it's been a tough year. The Xbox Series S and X sales are down 23% year-to-date. The reality is the console has very little momentum, which is such a crucial element when it comes to how successful a generation is or isn't for a platform holder. I mean, it's pretty clear that Xbox has already lost this battle between PlayStation 5 and Xbox PlayStation has just pulled so far ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, Xbox is trying to make up, or Microsoft, I should say, is trying to make up for it by buying like Activision mm-hmm. and Blizzard and King. Uh, but I don't know that. Well, especially if you say they're playing nostalgia. I mean, you know, Nintendo and PlayStation have now been around a lot longer than Xbox. Yeah, I mean, Xbox is. I want to say it was like two thousand one or two thousand two that the Xbox came out. It's been that long now, already. Yeah, wow. it has. Yeah, time flies. I remember it was. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Fun story, actually. Um, My dad worked in the Napa Valley at a winery in IT, and he had friends at Microsoft. So uh, he was able to trade some wine for an Xbox. We had the Xbox in like all the launch games, like two weeks before the console even came out. And so it was pretty... That was a unique experience. That, yeah, like, no, it was like sure. almost like my dad worked at Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was pretty cool to get the Xbox early and uh, play like Blinks the Time Sweeper and oh, wow. Jet Set Radio Future, stuff like that. Um, actually, I don't know if Jet Set Radio Future was a launch title or not. can't remember. But I know we got that game eventually. Um, but uh, so, yeah, we, we got to play the Xbox early. That was cool. But uh, yeah, I remember it was specifically at Thanksgiving because my little brother, we went around the table and we were all saying what we were thankful for. And God, he must have only been like four at most. And they were like, what are you thankful for? And he's like, Xbox. (laughs) (laughs) And that was pretty awesome. I'll never forget that. Um, That's awesome, though. So uh, yeah, can Microsoft do anything to turn this around? I... It's not looking good. All no. the recent releases, Halo Infinite, Redfall, Starfield, have all failed to leave a real big lasting impression. I mean, Starfield, people were anticipating this game. Like, this studio has not made a game in like five, six years. Like, this is what they've been working on. And it just kind of came and went. Like, people like it. It's enjoyable. It's unique. But it's just not like sticking around it's not being it's not like it's no halo for instance yeah Yeah. it's not skyrim it's not hanging out in the zeitgeist people they're not going to be remastering starfield every two years like they are with skyrim right um and uh maybe maybe the activision blizzard can help improve their situation i'm more doubtful of that i'm i don't know i mean like they acquired bethesda and made starfield an exclusive you know, it would have otherwise been on PlayStation as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really failed to move many consoles. Like, people who owned an Xbox bought it, but it didn't seem like a lot of people bought an Xbox for, for Starfield. Yeah. Um, and this was a game that I was excited for. Uh, and, you know, I bought a Series X when it first came out. I had a little bit of a discount situation on it, so mm-hmm. I said, why not? 
excuse me, I had a little burp. And I didn't see much of a, a reason to jump on it initially. I was like, you know what? This game will be $20 next year. Yeah. I was like, I'll wait till then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, just hold off. Then. I don't need to pay $70 for it. No, yeah. Um, you know, like the Activision Blizzard uh, acquisition will help their Game Pass offerings, right. I think. But uh, I don't, again, I don't know. I think everybody who wants Game Pass really has bought into it at this point. The right. people who haven't bought into Game Pass, like they don't want it. Like, yeah. And now that they're raising the price on Game they're doing yeah. the thing where that streaming, a lot of streaming services have been doing is like, keep, they keep raising that price. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I have a feeling they need to raise the price because they need more money and they're going to start, but they're, they're making it less appealing for people who don't already subscribe. Right. Now right. they're not going to want to jump in on this because it's like, well, now it's $18 a month, $16 a yeah, month. You know, exactly. it won't be long before it's $25 a month. Yeah. And, you know, for some people that'll still be a really good deal. Right. But I don't know. I feel like unless you're really playing a lot of games on it right. if you start doing the math i only played three games this year and mm-hmm. i paid four hundred dollars to play to use game pass this yeah. year it's like well i don't i don't know that that's worth it anymore yeah i mean personally like i never i've seen the appeal of owning an xbox i don't own an xbox at all and i just never had any desire i would choose a playstation first over an xbox if I, right you know um you know and yeah and that's i don't know maybe that goes back to like our old perceptions of what and that's why i kind of like especially the xbox 360 era mm-hmm. i was like oh my god that's a dude bro console mm-hmm. like I'm, yeah i'm not into that um but uh yeah i i bought a series x because i thought you know what there have been some games that i have definitely missed mm-hmm. and i haven't gotten around to them so, like, if I buy this console, I can play most of their old Xbox games on this console, Also, oh, they are so backwards compatible then with... Yeah, they do, like, a weird backwards compatibility where you put in the old game, mm-hmm. and it recognizes it, and it downloads, like, sort of a, a higher-res, kind of upscaled version of the game. So you're okay. not playing it off the disc, but they're still giving you the game, the nicer version, the prettier version of the game for free. It's okay. all, not quite a remaster, because right. they're... It's... Yeah, it's it's not it's not quite the same as a remaster because it's just not right. But um, it, it is uh, it is better than what a PlayStation doesn't offer backwards compatibility with right. PS2 and PS3. So right. that's a huge advantage. That's something I like to see yeah. that Xbox is doing. That to me is very physical friendly. Yeah. So I mean, I am concerned. We talked about well, Rick and I talked about Xbox supposedly moving away from having a disc drive in their mid generation refresh of the Xbox mm-hmm. console. Which is definitely concerning, right? Because then it's like, well, what good are those discs going to do you? Right, Nothing. exactly. Yeah, unless they have some kind of external disc drive that you can use, like plug it in via USB. Maybe that's what they'll do. But I don't know. I'm not convinced that that's a great idea. And oh, that was on my notes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've now got a quick update on Unity. Unity, the. Uh, game engine developer right. um, who we've been talking about off and on these last 12 weeks uh, about all of their their drama and their staffing cuts and the saga continues the, the, oh, the saga <laughs> continues hopefully this is the last we hear of them in 2023 um, but last time we talked about them uh, Unity was letting investors know that they were probably going to do more more cuts to staff and sure enough here they are everyone the cuts are here. They've laid off an additional 265 employees, which I believe is about 4% of their staff. 
right before the holidays. I think it was like right after Thanksgiving. Wow. Um, now again, these employees are from the Weta Technology and Engineering Division. And this Weta, for those of you uh, who know Peter Jackson's films, uh, Weta, it was his, like, uh, or it still is his, uh, his, like, special effects studio. Okay. And they did all the effects for, like, the whole, all the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies, all the physical props, all the, all the digital effects as well. And uh, he sold a part of this uh, technology division to Unity back in 2021. And I believe it was for an undisclosed amount uh, that they purchased it for. And uh, so, you know, kind of interesting. Maybe they don't celebrate Thanksgiving because they're in New Zealand. I'm not sure. (laughs) So maybe they weren't like, oh, the holidays? What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm happy to be let go. Yeah, or maybe they follow it like uh, Canada or Britain or something like that where it's in the beginning of the month or something. So clearly a purchase they regretted. Yeah, Because only two years ago they purchased this division of Weta. And now the meter Jackson. And now they just let go of the whole arm of Weta. So either they weren't putting out what they were hoping they would get from that investment, but uh, they're gone. Do we know like what, uh, what exactly these positions were that were, I mean, I know you guys have mentioned it before too, because the QAQC people are the first to go. Well, no, yeah, this is definitely different from that. Um, These are probably not quality assurance people. These are people like developing technologies for like use in various products. Okay. Um, so they're not doing like special effects like Weta normally does, but they were like maybe making like, um, like, okay, here's an interesting way you can, you know, make AI like a artificial, like, uh, when I say AI, I'm talking about like game AI, like NPCs and, you know, like monsters behave certain ways and like be more reactive and proactive to the player, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. You know, Unity does more than just make games. Their stuff is used for, like, military projects and all kinds of things. You know, a lot of these companies, they just talk about the game stuff, but mm-hmm. where they get a lot of their money is, like, the U.S. military and stuff <laughs> like that. Microsoft is the same way. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Same um, thing with Sony with uh, PlayStation. We've got a note here from Rick. Uh, again, John Riccatello is leaving at the end of the month, and he's still cutting staffing on his way out the door. Nothing good concerning game developers is going to come from this news. No. Yeah. <laughs> 100% agree with you, Rick. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, sad to see another big cut. I mean, I'm glad it's not um, specifically... Well, I mean, you know what? This probably is going to affect... Yeah, like Rick says nothing's good for game developers going to come from this cut. If anything, Unity is going to lose some functionality maybe it would have had. Yeah. had I just feel like this happened. guy is like burning everything on the way out sort of thing. You know, I, I'm not I'm not honestly sure how much control he has any at this point. I think he, you know, mostly has been in sort of a background role as the new person has sort of taken over. I but see. I think he's still technically on the books till the end of the year. But uh, yeah, this is these cuts are a result probably of John's leadership over the last few right. years, like that have led them to this point where they feel the need to even make these cuts happen. That's a shame. Uh, okay, we're breezing through this episode. Um, we've got uh, two big events this week, and I just want to kind of talk about them, and then Sam and I are going to play a little game. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Rick and I are planning to attend the Game Awards this Thursday. 
Um, it's in Los Angeles at in LA Live at the Peacock Theater. Um, it starts at I think four or four thirty in the afternoon, and it's probably going to go at least three or four hours. It's pretty long. The Game Awards are not just an award show; they are an announcement show <laughs> slash endorsement advertising show. Um, and you know a celebrity love fest and there's always random big name i think last year al pacino was there really yeah and what always happens is they go on the stage and they talk about like oh i don't play games but you know my kids do or my grandkids do or something like that and i'm always like why do do they do this i don't understand you know it's funny i don't know why and uh, my brain just went to the harrison ford uh, playing uncharted uh commercial there was a commercial for that? Yeah, you showed it to me. Uh, this was like a long time ago now. but Like on PlayStation 3? Yeah, and he's just like, you know, they're just getting, getting his reaction as he's playing it. And it's like, uh, oh, ooh. Okay. Like, very like, oh, he's, have to look he's that so up, old. I don't remember yeah, that anymore. He's so old and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong, I love Harrison Ford, but yeah. He's yeah, just, me oh, too. So I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I get it because I guess people go, wow, Harrison Ford likes that game. Maybe I'll like it too. Yeah. Does that work on people? I, I you watch a lot of commercials. I, I do. I, I'm you a, are a TV yeah, I, I, guy. I, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I, that's my guilty pleasure is uh, seeing commercials and how and they somehow stick with me. And have you been? Have you knowingly been convinced to purchase something no. lately due to a commercial? No. Like you didn't see a commercial for McDonald's and like no. later that week maybe you bought McDonald's and no, you didn't even realize it. No. I'm like not because of it, but because of like the subconscious, the fact that you're like, you know, oh yeah, McDonald's exists. Big Mac. Yeah, no. McDonald's exists. <laughs> hey, oh, we might get a copyright oh, right, for that sound right. effect. So be careful. <laughs> we're not loving that. No, we're not loving that at all. Uh, uh, no, I, I've never uh, personally. I don't know. I guess it's just a sheer. Uh, well, for, you know, for of course nowadays, and I, uh, of course our other friend who's probably listening as well can agree is that this whole nostalgia factor behind. Some Let's not give the impression that the only people that listen to this. No, 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 no. I know he just happens to be listening. But okay. um, I don't know which friend you're talking about. We, we, all... we have a lot of friends. Yeah, we do. So I like the, the a lot amb- of listeners. Ambiguity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I've never been. I mean, yeah, I can't remember the last time I was driven to uh, basically. See a commercial and inclined to go buy something because of that commercial. Yeah, there was there was some I saw a commercial for some like fast food place mm-hmm. not long ago, and I remember like later that week I was like, oh, that sounds good, and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't so- actually want that. I was convinced that I wanted that. I know we're backtracking a little bit, but I remember like uh, Xbox and PlayStation special, like really doing big pushes for these commercials, like with Mountain Dew or yeah. with Pepsi or whatever. You know, Mountain Dew Gamer Fuel is back right now. Oh, yeah, can't wait for. Sign I think, me up. I think they are doing it in conjunction with Call of Duty or Halo and Diablo Four. Okay. Yeah, so that's happening. Gamer Fuel is back, everyone. Go grab some now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them Taylor sent you. <laughs> the cashier specifically. Yeah. And you want $200 cash now. <laughs> Put it in the bag. Uh, Sam, you laugh at too much and it just makes me go off. And, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, not even I'm, 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 way, I'm way too entertained. It could be just, you know, long day. But All right, so the Game Awards, they're a big spectacle. I've been every single year. The only year I haven't been is when they did the COVID year in 2020 where they didn't actually have a physical show with an audience. They only, they just did like a, a tiny little studio kind of setup. Um, but I, I wish I, I 
I wanted to go to that. I was like, is there any way I can be like in the studio, like the 10 person audience that they had? Like, I want to go, but it wasn't publicly available. So I don't count that against my, my yeah, score. That, 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 I'm pretty sure everyone. We'll, the, the, everybody will forgive you for that. I so. think this is actually the 10th show because the first one was in 2014 in Vegas. So I think this oh, wow. is the 10th Game Awards, which is crazy. Time flies. And the Game Awards is a spinoff of the old Spike VGAs. Whoa, Grandpa. Yeah. And... <laughs> Go to YouTube and look up VGA highlights because they are like the epitome of like the dude bro. Like, well, you just said Spike TV, and I was yeah. already kind of my brain just it, went there immediately. It's wild. I rec- I watched this clip of Neil Patrick Harris like going down this crazy staircase during this musical number, and he had like these two machine guns in his hands, and he was just pretending to shoot all the other performers on the stage, <laughs> and they like fell down onto the ground and like pretend to die. I'm sure that's aged very well to no, time. It hasn't. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. I mean, yeah, like, don't get like, me wrong. Cool. Neil Patrick Harris, like, wow. out of his character. It was almost like he was the character from the Harold and Kumar movies. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, all he, right, all right. He I felt very that. like that, that version of NPH. Gotcha. Um, oh, Neil. So, uh, and then we also have the Day of the Devs event on Friday. And so, uh, what comes first, though, is on the 6th tomorrow, Day of the Devs is doing a digital showcase where they're going to showcase all of the cool indie games that will be featured at the event. There will be some announcements. It's almost, And it's being done in partnership with the Game Awards. It's almost like this is going to be... Uh, the game announcements for the indie developers get them out of the way here at Day of the Devs, so we can focus on all the big stuff. Get the old golfers clap. As they I mean, yeah, Day of the Devs, from my understanding, is almost like a charity event. Like they do it to help promote like indie games. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know that there's no exchange of money anywhere. Have I don't want to claim that it's a charity event, sure. but it does seem like it's something that I when I say charity, I don't mean like money you know donation kind of charity i just mean like they're doing it for the benefit right. of the indie scene yeah you're getting to get the exposure on a on a more i guess global scene essentially yeah yeah um and then on friday those games will be playable and the devs will be the ones like at the demo stations like actually like showing the game to people which i think is neat because a lot of times you go to trade shows or game events and you know the bigger the publisher the less likely you are to be interacting with anybody who actually made the game right you're just going to be interacting with some higher person who two hours before doors open got a rundown of like how to play yeah um and uh i have a description of the event uh, for day of the devs um and that began in 2012 as a collaboration between double fine and i am 8-bit real quick i am 8-bit was this or still is this really cool uh digital storefront i guess you could say but they used to have a physical store in echo park and they had all kinds of like really cool events uh rick and i had been to some over the years it's actually like some of those events are recorded on the bit beacon blog okay um so you know you can go back and look at that if you want um particularly there was a rhythm heaven fever which is this really cool nintendo game where you kind of like press buttons and like line with the rhythm to sort of play all these little mini games okay and uh that event blew our minds because they were serving alcohol there really at a nintendo event and like they had like wristbands that had like featured like the logo and like the characters on like the wristbands and 
they had like one if you were 21 or over and one so i was like wow i have a 21 and over nintendo wristband you know (laughs) and that's back when nintendo was still very family friendly so it was like shocking to us to see like nintendo alcohol and nintendo in the same and it was free too yeah and it was free wow it's like an open bar um they even gave out a shirt i still wear that shirt as a pajama shirt to this day um which I wish I had kept it in better condition. But yeah, that sure has been worn the heck out of. So anyways, uh, this is a partnership between IM8Bit with the goal of shining a spotlight on great indie games. Since then, we've showcased over 600 games through both in-person and online events. Our last physical event brought together more than 80 inspiring indie games and developers to celebrate with thousands of fans. Great music and loads of awesome treats and surprises. All free, with no cost to either developers or attendees. So this has normally been held in the Bay Area, where Double Fine is located. This is the first time, to my knowledge, that they're doing it in L.A. and doing it in conjunction with the Game Awards. Mm -hmm. So I've always wanted to go to one of these things, and like it's free to go. Uh, I think I had invited you, but unfortunately you're not off. Uh, I'm not off either, but I'm taking time off. Right. I mean, if I was off, off, I would totally want to go just to you have an experience. You so. want to use some time off for us, will you? Uh, no, no. No? Okay. <laughs> but uh, I'm curious, though. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so the how are the 80 selected, though? I mean, like, how do, how do you make the list if you're an indie developer? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I don't know how many are going to be on display at the event in L.A. Right. I would suspect that either there's an application of some kind to submit these. Um, it's not something I had been made aware of prior to hearing about the LA event, mm-hmm. or they they just have sort of tastemakers that look for indie games that and sort of yeah. you know find them and contact them and invite them to come out. Yeah. And it's really cool because yeah, I think they like help the devs like fly out here if they need oh, wow. to okay. like put them up you know that so kind like of start thing. to finish the whole whole bit like yeah it, it's at no cost to attendees or developers wow. which is really cool yeah and really unheard of especially yeah. nowadays it's like oh well you know you can come out here but you're gonna have to find your own way to get i will here. say one thing that does make me a little suspect is that double fine a few years ago was purchased by microsoft mm. so i wonder is this like an undercover way of trying to get all these indies to like sign up with Microsoft and not put their games on PlayStation. I mean, it's, it's clever. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I'll see when I go to the event. Yeah. Maybe there will be the yeah. games playable on multiple different deep dive devices. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but before we go, uh, you had an idea. Right. And that was uh, basically I wanted to get uh, Taylor's picks on who he thinks is going to basically take home the, the various game awards. The various game awards, yeah. the game awards. So I'm going to yeah. make my predictions right and I guess now. I should probably uh, just yeah just say I'm just going to read through these here and so just, we're just uh, going to go through one at a time yeah. you're going to announce the award and read the options and then I'll make my call okay sounds good and All we'll right. see how this holds up in about a week I'm going to let you keep it you're going to text me my tally okay okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah for all those uh, keeping you want to make your own boards or whatever and who wins okay Sam thank I, you I, 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 I. <laughs> alright anyways okay so game of the year we have uh, Alan Wake 2. Okay. Uh, Boldar's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate, excuse me. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2. Okay. Resident Evil 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Okay. And The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Huh. So, like, there, for me, I've only played... See, this is the thing. It's impossible to have played every game nominated for everything. Correct. So, I'm... 
on one hand, I'm considering what I've played, mm-hmm. and then I'm looking at just the talk I've seen online, what I think people are really passionate about, what I think reviewers have liked. So I'm just trying to make an educated guess okay. here. So I just want to say there's like a lot of energy behind Baldur's Gate 3. Okay. So I think uh, I think that probably has the best shot. If anybody else is going to take it, it's probably going to be Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. So I think it's Baldur's Gate 3. Tears of the Kingdom would come up as kind of like a... It wouldn't totally surprise me if it went Tears of the Kingdom. Right. And then there's like a really slim chance for maybe Alan Wake 2. That's a real big critical darling, and it's come out very recently. Mm-hmm. So it's like very fresh in these right. voters' minds. Um, so, I mean, that would that would be like a real out of nowhere, like, oh, crap. Like the underdog <laughs> just won. Won, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's Baldur's Gate 3. Interesting, okay. Next award. Next award, okay. So, best game direction. Okay, read the little description for me. Okay. Award for Outstanding cre- Creative Vision and Innovation in Game Direction and Design. Okay. okay. So this is almost like a, an award for the director of the game. Pretty much, Basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have... Alan... <laughs> We're going to see some repeats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, I, I guess that's the interesting thing. There could be a sweep. I mean, has there ever been a sweep in... There have been sweepy times. Okay. Never I mean, I like guess nobody's a, been a true never sweep. Never total but... sweep. Right. But, like, there have been some times where... There have been, like, a game has taken away the majority of the awards it was nominated for. Okay, so I'll read out the nominees here. So, Alan Wake 2, uh, Baldur's Gate 3. There you go. (laughs) Marvel Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. (sighs) Okay, this one? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Alan Wake 2. Okay, and reasoning? Uh... The guy behind Alan Wake and Remedy Entertainment is the name of the company who has made this game. And they have a series of making very interesting, kind of weird, out there games. Sorry, I have a little burp. <laughs> I have a little burp coming up. We're losing Taylor here. Uh, <laughs> call 911. <laughs> Emergency services nearby, right? Yep. <laughs> um, I... I I think I think he I think he's gonna get an award. Okay. I think they're gonna think about it as like Sam Lake. It's time for Sam Lake to get his due. So this is kind of that that underdog kind of, or would you would you say like I wouldn't say he's an underdog, but he's maybe under under recognized. Okay, so he's been passed up several times. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, some of his games are uneven. I would say. Okay. But this one feels like. Like they were, they brought the big guns out for this one. So I'm gonna say Alan Wake uh, two for best game direction. Okay, all right, all right. So best narrative. So this is for outstanding, outstanding star- Whoa, for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. Okay. So again, we're gonna have these uh, repeats. Um, Alan Wake two. Okay. Baldur's Gate three. Cyberpunk 2077: Phantom Liberty. Final Fantasy. 16. 16, thank you. <laughs> you don't know how to read Roman numerals? Uh, it's, it's just, yeah. Um, and then, of course, uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2. Okay, so Spider-Man 2, I don't even know what they're doing there. I think it's just, I wonder if it's just there for appeasement. Like, oh, I mean, we have to kind of give it to them. I haven't played it, so yeah. I'm being a little judgy. Yeah. But, I mean, I just can't imagine it being in the same ballpark as these other ones. Right, and of course, you know, I, I grew up with playing, you know, the OG Spider-Man. Album. I mean, it, I love yeah. the Marvel Spider-Man yeah. games. They're fantastic. Right. So much fun to play. Anyways, uh, so we have Alan Wake 2, mm-hmm. 
We oh, have Baldur's Gate, Gate 3. 3. Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, that's weird. That game is not even a game. It's a DLC okay. for a game. I don't know what it's doing there. Well, the category is best on narrative. So. so the only one of these that I've actually played this year mm-hmm. is Final Fantasy 16, okay. which I recently finished and talked about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had to give an educated guess... So, okay, help me out here. Ball, sure. You have Alan Wake 2, which mm-hmm. is a handcrafted story from start to finish. Every player is experiencing the same thing. Okay. So a very tight narrative experience. Right. Whereas Baldur's Gate 3 is very much a Dungeons and Dragons kind of create your own adventure okay, kind of I game. So where like one person's playthrough will be nothing like their friend's playthrough. Okay, then I think the the answer should be pretty obvious on that at this point. What do you think? Well I would say then Alan Wake too at this point. Yeah. Just because it's more I think it's just that constructive storyline walking through versus, you know, I mean I can Baldur's s- Gate probably had its own area for winning, but yeah, not for this category. I, I think both are at like equal odds. Uh, I think it could go either way. If I had to make a personal pick, I'd probably say Alan Wake Two. Okay, so Alan Wake Two looking a little sweepy right now. Yeah, I know a little bit here. Okay, uh, best in art direction. So this is for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design and animation. Okay. So we have Alan Wake Two again. Okay. Hi-Fi Rush. Okay. Uh, Lies of P. Lies of P. Uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and of course, uh, uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Hmm. Yeah, Wonder and Zelda both have terrific art direction mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I, I feel like I could see Mario Wonder possibly getting it. Re- what are the first couple again? Uh, so Alan Wake 2 and Hi-Fi Rush. Okay. Uh, oh, and uh, sorry, Life of P. I'm going to say Hi-Fi Rush gets it. Okay, and Reasoning? Uh, that game came out earlier this year. It was a surprise hit with players and critics alike. It has a very unique visual style to it. Okay. And I think voters are going to want to give this game an award, and this is a great award to give it. Okay. So I have a feeling it's going to be Hi-Fi Rush. So you did say you were kind of teetering on Super Mario Wonder. And I would say that has a good chance, too. Okay. Uh, I really... Because that game is visually just... Compared to the other Mario's. Yeah, like it's very unique, it's different, and visually it's just always doing something really crazy, different, and new, and it's always exciting. Okay. And you're never looking at the same environment over and over again. Okay, all right. So I think... That's fair. I think it's possible Mario Wonder could get it, but I'm going to say Hi-Fi Rush. Lock it in. Lock it in, okay. (laughs) Noted. Okay, moving on here. Uh, Best score and music. So this should be pretty obvious here. For outstanding music inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed track. See, I don't think licensed tracks should really... Yeah, those are very... very But I guess some games lean really heavily into licensed tracks, so I guess that makes sense. Okay, I'm just going to... They do list the... The composers, composers I'm gonna... which I'd like to give them their due, but they'll get it during the, okay. uh, the show. So I'm just going to name off. Yeah, just name the games. Yeah, Alan Wake 2, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, Final Fantasy, Hi-Fi Rush, and uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Mm. I talked about this previously. The mm-hmm. the newer Zelda games, like while they have wonderful like sound ambiance, right. there's not a lot of what I would describe as like music. Mm. Like, you're not hearing... Like, during key scenes, you're hearing, like, really cool orchestral tracks. But, you know, it's not like the old games where you have all these, like, melodies playing throughout the game right, and things right. like that. Um, Final Fantasy sixteen has some really good tracks in the game. 
That was going to be my question next. I mean, it's kind of known for having those more. Yeah, music is yeah. pretty important. Um, definitely some really crazy standout moments with music in that game. I think that one has a good chance at this award. A lot of these games, I'm not super familiar with their music, so mm-hmm. this one is harder for me to comment on or make a choice. Um, I don't think Zelda gets it. I something tells me Baldur's Gate probably not. Okay. I I hear Alan Wake has some kind of musical moment in the game. Interesting. Like something kind of weird and out there, but like musical and performing and like hmm. something going on. So I don't know if maybe that might give it an edge, but yeah, this one I'm really a total wash on. I mean, I'm just gonna say the only one I can. <laughs> Vote on is Final Fantasy sixteen. Yeah. That's, that's fair. I'm, yeah, I don't have an impression of what other people think about the music. I am curious though because uh, you didn't mention anything about Hi Fi Rush. I don't Rush. know. Uh, that yeah. makes. I wonder if that one uses a lot of licensed music. I, I'm not aware of okay. that being the case, but yeah, I'm not sure. That was an Xbox only game okay. or PC as well. So, like I said, I haven't touched my Xbox in a while, so I. I don't know. All right, yeah. so Final Fantasy will lock that in. I guess we'll lock it. That's right. kind of a reluctant. Like I have no idea. Okay. Lock in. Okay, next category here. Best audio design. So recognizing the uh, best in game audio and sound design. So again, we're going to have Alan Wake 2 at the nominee, Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, Marvel Spider-Man 2, and Resident Evil 4. Hmm. I doubt it's... I doubt it's Spider-Man. I Mm. doubt it's Resident Evil 4. I could see the Dead Space remake having because that's like a horror game okay so like sound really gotta, is yeah, really it's gonna important. play into that because but uh, alan wake is also leans into kind of this horror creepy atmosphere okay and it would not shock me i'm gonna say alan wake too all right all yeah right. No, no. i don't think it's game of the year but i think it's game of almost everything else <laughs> So individually, it brings in. But something that Alan Wake Two might have going against it is I don't know if as many people have played it, including like the reviewers and stuff. So gotcha. that might almost like make them not even consider it because um, maybe they haven't played it. But I'm still gonna say Alan Wake Two. Okay. But yeah, I could definitely see if you, if it is from a horror standpoint, I could definitely see where that's key to really drumming you into the game and yeah. building up the scene and audio design is like like that's a game you. you it's probably scary to wear headphones oh, while you sure. play yeah, it. definitely. But it's probably the best way to play those sure. kinds of games. Exactly. Okay. Uh, best performances. So awarded to an individual or voiceover acting motion and or performance capture. Okay. So these are like the actors who provide voices and like some of them do motion capture as well. Right, right. All right. This one is kind of a weird. Yeah. All right. All right read through these real okay, quick. Okay. So... First one we have is uh, Ben Starr from Final Fantasy. 16. Yeah, he was yeah. Clive, the mm-hmm. main character. Uh, Cameron Monaghan. Cameron Monaghan. 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 Yeah, he's Cal Kestis. Okay, from Star the, Wars. the Star Wars Jedi games. Right. Idris Elba from Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, that's like the most lopsided. You're going to have... Is Idris Elba going to be there? Yeah, I know. That would like, be interesting. I mean, I've seen it in previous ones where yeah. they have been. Okay, we have uh, Melanie LeBird. Uh, from Alan Wake 2. Okay. Oh, she was the, the co-lead in that game. Right. Neil Newborn, or Newborn, from uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Okay. And uh, Yuri... Lowenthal. Lowenthal, yeah, as, from Spider-Man. As, uh, so I guess Peter he's Parker. A, okay, so he's the household name right there. Uh, yeah, he's one of the 
probably the most prolific voice actors okay. in video games, anime. And this is where that cycling kind of comes yeah. into play, right? I there, mean, he's yeah. great. Yeah, no, he's he's really not just singing either. Yeah, it it takes a lot. But yeah, he's, he's in a like, lot of stuff for sure. For them. Okay, um, I love Ben Starr as Clive, but and I, I would love for him to get it. But go down to the bottom. Yeah, I think it's the guy from Baldur's Gate Three. Okay, and why that? Um, his character. I haven't even played the game, but I know all about his character, and okay. I know that people like love him. Like he's hilarious; they want to marry him. Really? Like, yeah. Like, okay. People love this guy and his performance. So, so I, and, and Neil uh, Newbon. I mean, is he like? Uh, I mean, has I, been around for a while. I don't know or? the name. I okay. mean, maybe he has, but okay. I don't know the name off okay. the top of my head. But yeah, I'm gonna say Neil. Lock it in. Okay, locking in. Locking in. Locking in. <laughs> New words tonight. Okay. Innovation in accessibility. 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 So recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. Yeah, so it's been a big trend lately to try to make games more accessible via options and toggles to make them more like friendly for colorblind. Yeah, I was going to ask, so it's more so like ADA kind of uh, almost. Yeah, but no one's forcing them to do it. Right, they're just voluntarily doing this. Yeah, like a lot of companies, Xbox and uh, PlayStation specifically, have these like really cool, I think they call them adaptability controllers or something like that. And they do not look like a normal controller. They look like these like boards that have all these like gears and like nozzles and like things that you can turn and like strange looking buttons you can press. Oh wow, okay. And the idea is that people with different disabilities will be able to utilize like some parts and pieces of these controllers to help them play. Like there's some people who will play uh, like with their legs and feet and you know like it'll enable like button attachments so they can like press something with their foot. Yeah. Uh, No, I can appreciate that. I mean that's that's really like it's innovative because you have to think kind of outside the box of appealing to your mass crowd but then also to a, a group that may otherwise be excluded from right yeah. and, and you know even some features like like aim assist right. like you know someone has really bad fine motor control so right. they can't play games where you're like shooting really precise like things or something where they can't you know, yeah so them. it's like now they have like something where it's like okay the, the reticle will kind of go towards like kind of lock on almost and kind of help you play the game experience the story uh, you know maybe it's not as challenging but you know they're already challenged right so, so it doesn't yeah. need to let's you know let it so they can play the dang game no yeah i can get behind like totally I it's a great more, thing yeah bringing more people in, on board so a very respected category here uh so we have diablo 4 right and uh, i guess some of these categories i i mean i haven't used their accessibility features gotcha because i don't need them <laughs> okay um so it's this one's going to be a tough one for me to vote on i might have to pass but okay go ahead and so um uh, forza motorsport um, Hi-Fi Rush, Spider-Man uh, 2, Mortal Kombat 1, which, okay, uh, Street Fighter 6. Mortal Kombat 1 is not the first Mortal okay, Kombat. Okay, I was game. like... Um, it's the new Mortal Kombat game. I'm pretty sure But they're calling it Mortal Kombat 1. I, you know, I, I think I remember you and Rick talking about yeah. this dilemma last episode. It's not so much a dilemma, it's that they've chosen to sort of reset the timeline of Mortal Kombat. Gotcha. So they're calling it Mortal Kombat 
fun. Okay. Right. I think it's clever. Yeah. Rick doesn't like it. It's okay. It, it made me pause for a second there. Yeah. You tell from, yeah. I'm going to say it's Street Fighter 6. Okay. This is just coming off very rudimentary knowledge that there are like. Instead of inputting crazy button combos, uh-huh. there are accessibility things in this game that allow you to like perform a really cool combo with the press of just one single button okay. in an effort to make them more accessible to newcomers and people with disability. Okay. All right. That, that's fair. But yeah, I could be way off. Someone might be doing something way more interesting. I just don't know. Well, you will have to report it back then what they end up coming up with. So I'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> Games for Impact. Uh, for a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Space for the Unbound. That's the first nominee. Okay. Uh, Chance of Sinar. Sinar? Okay. Haven't heard of that yeah. one. Goodbye Volcano High. Okay. I've heard of that one. Uh, Chai? Chia? Oh, it's like, it starts with a T, right? Yeah. Uh, I've heard of it. Chia. Okay. Haven't played it. All right. Uh, Nara Nil? Haven't heard of that one. And uh, Bimba? I've heard of that one. Okay. Um, honestly, I have no idea. I'm going to choose just based on the pictures alone, and I'm going to choose the one that looks like a forest. Looks I think like it's at the bottom. Forest, okay. So, uh, Terra Nil? Terra Nil. That's my choice. I'm okay. sure that's very, like, got this good message about taking care yeah, of the Yeah, I mean, just, report, just for your view, or for your listeners, I mean, uh, basically, if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's two uh, deer on the front. It looks like a waterfall and a uh, windmill, like an, uh, an actual... And Terra means earth. Earth, yeah. So, and nil, nil means nothing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm sure that's some, like, Interesting. horrible, like, future thing. It looks really pretty there, but I'm sure it, like... I know, I'm, like, staring at it more, going, like, hey, what am I missing in here? Where's yeah. uh, the destruction or something, uh, yeah. you know? Maybe it, it starts off beautiful, but gets weird. Nothing more, right? All right, so... Okay, moving on. Okay, so best ongoing. So, this so, is... This is, like, a... A game that's like still continuing to add new content years okay. beyond its life cycle. I think okay. I don't know why it doesn't say best ongoing game. You would think, but yeah. Okay. Um, did you want me to read the? Oh, sure. Okay. So it's awarded to the game with the. Sorry, awarded to a game for outstanding development of, of ongoing content that evolves. That evolves the player experience over time. Okay. okay. All right. So first nominee is Apex Legends. Okay. Cyberpunk 2077. Final Fantasy. Final Four. Fantasy what? I'm gonna, I put my foot in my mouth there right now. What, what did you say? Uh, Final Fantasy um, 16? Nope. So oh, sorry, 14. Yes. Thank you, sorry. All right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Roman numerals are just not... Yeah, I, I'm just I'm having a moment with the Roman numerals. I don't know why. So. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Fortnite. Okay. And Genshin Impact? Genshin Impact yeah, is a game that. I adore. Yeah, I've heard you talk a lot about and that And I believe wholeheartedly <laughs> it deserves this award more than any other game on this list. I have a feeling... I don't know, man. Fortnite. It will probably go to Fortnite, but... Just a PC? Uh, I think it's just more... I mean, not that Genshin, Genshin Impact is huge and it's very mainstream, but it's still niche-ish, okay. you know? Whereas Fortnite is still more, it reaches a wider swath of people. Right. I I don't know if it's like still really relevant for like critics and outlets. I see. Um, I want. I'm gonna say Genshin Impact. I'm probably gonna be wrong. It's okay. probably gonna be Fortnite, but I think it should be Genshin Impact. Okay. Noted. 
I mean, they add new content every six weeks to the game. Substantial amounts of new content. And, like, through that six-week process, there's even, like, more content, like, sprinkled in. Okay, so it's like it's a true build-on. Yeah, like, it just, it continues to expand. The story continues to grow. It's not just, like, a one-off expansion one time a year, like Mm. Cyberpunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would... Okay, next category here, uh, best community support. So, recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency and responsiveness, inclusive of social media active activity and game update patches. Okay. All right. Uh, so, Baldur's Gate 3 is nominated, Cyberpunk 2077, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy. 14. 14. Okay. <laughs> no There's Man's a difference. Sky. I know, I know. Uh, uh, I'll... Probably say No Man's Sky. Okay. Um, no Man's Sky seemingly wins this award or a similar award almost every single year. It's a game that started off like five years ago now, maybe six years ago, in like really rough shape. Mm-hmm. It launched, so much was promised that was not there on day one built into the game. Okay. And the developers made so much money because they had convinced everybody that the game was going to be this crazy thing. And while it was still a good base game was there, Uh um, there was just a lot missing that we were led to believe would be there. Uh And instead of the developer just effing off with hundreds of millions of dollars, they stuck around. And and they have provided free update after free update to make this game even beyond the dreams that they made us believe it would look like originally. So... I think No Man's Sky deserves that and continues to deserve that. And it has like a big social media presence and everything as well? Oh, I mean like they, um, when they say social media, they mean like they communicate with the fans and they're like... Oh, okay. Like, hey, we hear you. We're going to do stuff. More things are coming. Like that kind of a thing. Not like, cool screenshot. That's what I was thinking. It was kind of like that kind of a word. I mean, they do that. Yeah, no, it's more like... How do they support their community? It's very similar to the previous award, best okay. ongoing game. Okay, it's gotcha. like that's a way to support a game, but also community support does have sort of another, like a, an engagement angle to it, I guess. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So next category here is best independent game. Okay, this is good okay. So just I'll read it for the sake of reading it. Uh, for outstanding creative and technical achievement in the a game made, sorry, made outside the traditional publisher system. Okay. Yeah. And we have uh, Cocoon. Okay. Uh, Dave the Diver. Which is not an indie game. And the developers of Dave the Diver have even said, we have no idea why we're nominated for this. Really? We're not an indie studio. Bet you it wins. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, that would be really hilarious. But yeah, they said, we don't want to be nominated for this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wait, so who put some... It was, it's made by a small team in Korea that is part of a big game company. Gotcha. Okay. So it has an indie-ish feel to it, but it does not have... A proper title. It has big money behind it. The capital I. Yeah. Gotcha. So Dredge is the next... uh, Okay. Sea of Stars. Okay. And Viewfinder. Hmm. I'm going to say... Okay, so there's Sea of Stars. What Hmm. else? Uh, Dredge. Dredge. Okay. Cocoon. Cocoon. I don't know anything about Cocoon. Okay. But I know people really, really like it. Okay. I think it's either, I'm going to say Cocoon, but maybe Sea of Stars. Okay. If Dave the Diver wins, the discourse online is going to be insane. People are going to, like, lose it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would... I mean, I know Dave the Diver is very popular. People like it. Mm-hmm. I could see it winning. Mm-hmm. But I, 
if we're gonna pretend it's not you know if if the reviewers or the the people voting right choose to you know hear the developers plea to like not include it then hopefully they do right i think it's probably cocoon maybe sea of stars okay but you get the strange feeling it could be David and Diver. I have a, there's a funny feeling in the back of my yeah. head. Right? I mean, it, says, it would be entertaining. I mean, I mean, granted, it would, oh, it would make a lot of people mad. But yeah, you know. yeah, I would love to see their acceptance speech where they're like, uh, "We don't want this." <laughs> okay, best debut indie game. Okay, okay. So for the best debut game created by a new independent studio. Okay, okay. We're gonna have some of the repeats here. So Cocoon. Okay. Dredge, Pizza Tower, Beanba. Mm-hmm. And Viewfinder. I'm going to say Pizza Tower. Okay. Pizza Tower is this... Uh, I think it's only so far on like PC. I don't think it's made its way to consoles yet. Okay. But it's heavily inspired by the old Wario Land games. Okay. On okay. Game Boy Color and Game Boy. And uh, it's just got this like really wild, crazy zaniness to it. Mm-hmm. And people seem to really be into it. It's very like memeable. Okay. Um. So I think that has a good chance. It was really, really caught people off guard, and uh, this year, and I think uh, I think that has a good chance. All right. So many indie games are like. Uh, no, it's fine. You can move on. Okay. No. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just making. I thought I double tapped and went to the next one. All so. right. We'll have to cut that. <laughs> uh, so many indie games. I feel like are these like deep emotional like experiences or they're trying to like convey some kind of you know message or something you know because typically indie games that are around for like they're two to five hours usually okay you know? they're generally less expensive yeah um and uh i just don't know that they'll be something that people want to revisit so much gotcha. as like something like pizza tower which is one of those games where you can keep coming back to it i, I see yeah, I got yeah. You, yeah so i think that sticks around maybe in people's heads a little more yeah, like you look back on that and going like, oh, yeah, when I played Pizza Tower, that was like the game that stood out as mm-hmm. far as, yeah. Okay, moving on to the next category. So best mobile game. Okay. Okay, so this is all, uh, for the best game playable on a mobile device. I do. So what is, what's that classification? I'm assuming, I mean. I'm Basically like, phones, phones, tablets, that okay. kind of thing. Okay, gotcha. I mean, they don't, they don't like put like a Switch game on here, even though that's a mobile device. Okay. Yeah, because like that's going to say, where's that kind of yeah. line at? Specifically, so. it's like, this is for phone games or okay. games that appear on phones. Gotcha. Okay. So, exclusively made like on apps, download, and. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure I'm understanding it either way, but. Okay. So, for our first nominee here, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. Okay. Uh, Hello Kitty Island Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, they made that game real. <laughs> Honkai Star Rail. Okay. Monster Hunter Now. Okay. And uh, Terra Nil. Hmm. So, I want to say Honkai Star Rail wins. Okay. That's a game that I play. It's the game that I've been trying to get Rick to play. Okay. Um, that he did play briefly, and I'm not sure he's played since. <laughs> um, but uh, I... <laughs> Rick. Um, <laughs> I think that's a really... I think that could win unless the devs want to go for something... A little, or the, not the devs, the uh, the voters want to mm. go for something a little more artsy fartsy. Okay, <laughs> to put it that way. <laughs> no, no, I think I mean I totally get where you're coming. Which from I think maybe that, yeah. one of the other options could win, like Hello Kitty. Probably not Hello Kitty. <laughs> Probably not Monster Hunter. Now I don't think they have a chance. Maybe that Terra Nil or but, uh, yeah. Final Fantasy. Mm, probably not Final Fantasy. I don't okay. think so. Um, 
Yeah, maybe Terra Nil might upset it, but I'm going to say Honkai Star Rail. Okay, all right. I think we're nearing the end of the... Okay, we got a little more. A little more. <laughs> we're going to ignore all the eSports awards, okay, yeah, just no, so no, everyone that's... listening knows. Yeah, we're no, not going through those. We both have made a mutual agreement that yeah, that's... Yeah, we're just going to talk about the games. Yeah. Okay, so best VR AR uh, for the best game experience playable in virtual or augmented reality, irrespective of plat- platform. So, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Call of the Mountain, Humanity, Resident Evil Village VR Mode, mm. and Snap, uh, well, Snipes, Snipes? Can you show me? I can't yeah, read it sorry. from here. It's, oh, Synapse. Snaps. wow. Wow, okay. Okay. Scroll back up to the top. All right. Okay, I think, I think it's between Gran Turismo. Really? And... And Resident Evil VR mode. Or Resident Evil 7 VR mode. Is that what it says? I know, it's Resident Evil Village VR Oh, Resident mode. Evil Village. Yeah. yeah, that's Resident Evil 8, technically. Remind me, was that the one that you demonstrated the VR on? Maybe not. This was um, it ago. was, uh, yeah, it was the kitchen demo. That's what it was. Yeah, where you were, like, strapped to a chair yeah. and some, like, horrible-looking yeah. person, and yeah. you lost your mind. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have video. Oh, you have video of that? Oh, yeah. Boy. <laughs> um, I think Gran Turismo has it. It's basically the full game is now playable in VR, okay. which, like, is crazy. Okay. Um, and not just because of the whole film release and the kind of the media attention. No, no. I mean, the the film is like based on a true story kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I know it's kind of a, yeah. you know. It's not, uh, it doesn't really right. have anything to do with the game so Right, no, much. no, I know. But just the idea that it's kind of now more out there. Than... I mean, no, Gran Turismo has been. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been around for a Mainstay for a long time. It's like the car simulator. Like, it, you don't really get any better than Gran Turismo. All about cruising. <laughs> cruising is an arcade experience. I but I do love some cruising. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say Gran Turismo gets that one. All right. Best action game. Okay. So this is for the best action game in an action genre focused primarily on combat. Okay. Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Wow, you read the Roman numerals. Yeah, correctly. I don't know why that worked. Right? Just to be in the eye, just kind of... I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> Dead Island 2, Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush, and Remnant 2. Huh, that's tough. I'm going to say it's between Armored Core and Hi-Fi Rush. Okay. Um, gosh, if I had to pick one... Um, they're both combat games, like okay. really heavy on the combat. Um, like the combat is the game, okay. you know, whereas like something like cyberpunk or whatever, yeah, or, or not, here, not but... cyberpunk and runner to ghost runner Two. Yeah. I mean, that's a definitely a combat game too. Uh, I'm going to say armored core gets it. Okay. Critics love the studio that makes that game from mm-hmm. software. Okay. And I just think I just think they have to get one award this year, and it's going to be this one. All right. Okay. Best action and slash adventure. Okay. So for the best action slash adventure game, combining combat with transversal and puzzle solving. Traversal. Triversal. 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 Yeah. No, traversal. I know traversal. I, okay. Yeah. I, just, right. I misspoke. Are we sure? Yeah. All right. Alan Wake Two, Marvel Spider-Man Two, Resident Evil Four, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. 
and uh, Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. I think Zelda get, gets this one. Yeah, I think because it's not winning some of the other awards, mm-hmm. probably. I think it gets this one. Okay, easy. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And Alan Wake, I'm, I'm not really sure that I feel like that's miscategorized. I yeah. feel like that is more of like a almost like a horror game, but I guess not. But mm. yeah, I say Zelda gets that one. Okay, Zelda it is. Okay. Best RPG. Baldur's Gate 3. I don't even need to see it. Oh, wow. Else. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that was very quick. Yeah, it doesn't... Nothing... Nothing not, else is going to no. hold a candle to it? No. no. I mean, Final Fantasy 16 gets close, but there is no game more rpg than a game based on Dungeons & Dragons. So, right. like, dice no, that, rolls okay. and everything. That, that, that is very, that yeah. is very, very true. Like, there are dice rolls, like, represented on screen okay. in that game. Okay, all right. So, if you heard it here, folks. Yeah. Baldur's Gate has that three. That has that locked. Okay. Best fighting. Okay, Street Fighter Six. Okay, that's wow. also another easy one. I don't even need to see any. You Not can even read the Mortal nom- Kombat one. Nah, you can read the nominees, but it's okay. Street Fighter Six. So uh, we have uh, God of Rock, Mortal Kombat One, uh, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl Two, Pocket Bravery. Okay. And Street Fighter Six. Yeah, Street Fighter Six. Okay, there's, I guess it's kind of yeah, it give me right there. There's no way it's not. Yeah. Best family. Okay. This is a fun category. This usually is a Nintendo game wins this one. Okay. So this is for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. Okay. So Disney's Illusion Island. Okay. Party Animals. Animals. Yeah, plural. Sorry. Make sure. Pikmin 4. Sonic Superstars and uh, Super Mario Wonder. Super Mario Wonder has that locked so easy. Like, it's going to be the most... If I could see the votes, it would be, like, so incredibly lopsided. Okay. Okay, best sim slash strategy. Okay, this is a good one. All right, so we have a uh, best game that focuses on real-time or turn-based simulation or strategy gameplay irrespective of platform. Advance, Advance Wars 1, 1, 1 plus 2, uh, Reboot Camp, uh, City Skylines 2, Company of Heroes 3, Fire Emblem Engage, and Pikmin 4. I would love to see Advance Wars win. Okay. Um, Fire Emblem is also a great strategy game. Okay. Um, I think people are really down on Fire Emblem because they didn't care for the story of this particular game. Okay. But I don't, I don't think they're just going to be, I, I don't think they're going to remove that from their consideration for the, the actual strategy combat of okay. the game. But I think Pikmin 4, which I don't totally consider a strategy game yeah it's really kind of strange with that one but it does have sort of a it does have i do also see it it does have like this thing where you're kind of selecting characters and you're telling them to go do things which is like a real-time strategy game Mm -hmm. um again i'd love to see advanced wars win um but i'm gonna say pikmin 4 okay yeah i think it's got it okay maybe because we haven't really seen any winners and that's been kind of a big yeah. Game, so. Yeah. Okay. Okay, now we're in the best sport in racing. Which okay, we, we, this we, might we, be we'll... the last topic. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to try I it? I think after this, yeah. Okay, okay. all right. So, <laughs> I just thought I kept laughing now. I'm like, uh, EA Sports FC 24. Okay. F1 23. Forza Motorsport. Forza. Forza, sorry. Wow. Missed my O's and my R's. Forza. Forza. It's Italian. <laughs> Uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2, Turbocharged. The Crew Motorfest. I mean, I guess Forza, but I'm really out of the loop on this one. But I'm going to say Forza. I'm going to say EA uh, Sports okay. FC 24. Let's, let's see who wins. <laughs> Is that it there for that one? Best multiplayer. 
Okay, let's do right. this one. All right. Uh, so for outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op, massive, massively multiplayer experiences, irrespective of uh, game genre or platform. So Baldur's uh, Gate 3, Diablo 4, Party Animals, Street Fighter 6, and Super Mario uh, Brothers Wonder. Hmm. Mario Wonder does have a very interesting way of doing their multiplayer in the game that's pretty unique. But is it the focus of the game? No. Yeah. I think it's Street Fighter 6, really? probably. I mean... Yeah, most people are playing online versus other people. That's mostly what they're doing in that oh, game. Okay. And All there's right. like a huge, massive like online hub mode thing that they added. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say yeah, I'm gonna say Street Fighter Six. Okay. They're locking that in. I'm locking it in. All right. Best adaptation. Okay. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Well, or... It's The Last of Us Two. It's The Last of Us HBO. Yeah, Last of Us. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. Are you sure another Super Mario movie, Bros. movie? No. Okay. I know yeah, Rick was I mean, very uh, Rick vocal. hasn't even seen it. Yeah. He's been very vocal about it even though he hasn't seen it. I mean, like, it's a, f- it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's a solid movie. It, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's entertaining. It's cute. But, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think The Last of Us enraptured, like, oh, the world yeah. for several weeks. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think that's getting... Neil Druckmann's getting another award. Okay. Most anticipated game. Okay. So, recognizing an announced game that has demonstrability, illustrated potential. Whoa. Whoa, yeah. Start over. Start over over there. Okay. Recognizing an an announced game that has demonstrability, illustrated potential to push (laughs) the gaming medium forward. All right. So, this is the most anticipated game award. It, It pretty much writes itself with the title there. Um, read me the, okay, so I already know what I'm picking, I'm pretty sure, okay. but read me the titles. Okay, so Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Okay. Hades II. Hades. Hades. <laughs> like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Okay. Uh, Star Wars Outlaws. Okay. And Tekken 8. Tekken. <laughs> oh boy. This is what Michelle Rodriguez and Vin Diesel called Tekken when they were on stage at the Game oh, Awards. Oh, wow. They called it Tekken. I um, love that you just said that. Rick will never let me live that down. I'm no, sure. that was amazing. Yeah, Thank that's... you so much for that moment. Uh... Um, okay, so <laughs> if this award had waited a few more weeks, because mm-hmm. yesterday Grand Theft Auto Six was announced and unveiled. Oh, yeah, that's and been... it got more than almost 100 million views in 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... From this list, it's definitely Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Okay. No doubt. Lock it in. Lock it in. <laughs> Content creator... No, nope, we're not voting. We're done. Okay. The, game, the actual awards about games are over. I'm not voting on PewDiePie or whoever is nominated here. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through this. I've moved here. on. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So those are my predict. Wow, that took... 45 minutes to get wow. through those yeah but you know what we had some good discussion along the oh, way oh yeah no definitely i, I like even more the deep dive of, of why people like, people learn some things yeah you know uh all right i'm gonna give you just one last you know you want to say anything um just thank you for having me and thank you for tolerating uh my mispronunciations and uh roman numerals honestly i i think i think you bring uh <laughs> A, a fun layer of disaster to the show. So I think uh, 
I think you're fit to fill in from time to time. All right. Well, yeah. if, if you're audiencing you and Rick will have me, then great. But uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I would love to hear one with just you and Rick one of these days when I'm out of town or something. Oh, I think that that would, would be interesting. Yeah, would be I, awesome. I think we're on the same kind of capacity of uh, certain things. So. I, I would love to listen to that. Yeah. No, um, but uh, thank you for having me. It's, yeah. been, it's been a lot of fun, regardless. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm glad you were here. Thank you. And transmission.